Skycast episode 14, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing the long overdue season 5 trailer. Long overdue. (laughs) Much anticipated, long overdue. It's been 84 years. It's been 2,199 days. (laughs) Just sign all of the combined nouns and use them to describe (laughs) how long it has been waiting for this stupid trailer. I... It, it was definitely, it was a long wait, but it was worth the I wait. I was just going to ask you, are you satisfied? I am. Um, I'm, I'm satisfied, but I also kind of wish that it was now, that I could watch everything now. <laughs> but this is your favorite part. This is my favorite part. I know I do love the like theorizing um, and the analyzing little bits of pieces that are totally out of context. <laughs> Just so you all know, this is all she's been doing since the trailer released. I like come home from work. I get G chats in the middle of the day, text <laughs> messages late at night, Facebook strategy sessions. <laughs> and yes, I do sometimes text Brit, even though we're in the same house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Across, across yeah. the hall. <laughs> Um, so I guess before we get started, just want to kind of talk about, like, what are your overall feelings for this season? What are you expecting? Um, well, first off, I want to say that we listen to, what's our friend's? What are our friends' podcasts that we love? Oh, we listen to the the Meditation podcast with Jason. With Jason. Yeah, the interview. So I am really looking forward to all of the reunions. I think, I think. We had talked about this a little bit last season, but the jump forward in time, you know, this show is always really great at reinventing itself, but I think they had run out of things to do where they were emotionally, and I'm really anxious and excited to see how everyone is and what they're like six years later and looking forward to the reunions, being informed by those changes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously excited for all the reunions, but I think even more so than that, I'm just excited to see how different these characters are now mm-hmm. after six years. I'm really curious to see how they've changed. I'm and nervous, though. I'm very, I mean. <laughs> I'm very nervous. For, for Octavia, I'm very <laughs> nervous. Um, well, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think I, this, you know, it feels so fresh and new. And, like, the show does that every season. Right. It, it but reinvents this, this itself. Is, it, this is on a grander scale than I think we've ever seen, which is saying something for the 100. Right. Um, so yeah, very, very, in fact, I might say that I'm the most excited I've ever been. I say that every year. That's a fat lie. No. You say that every year. I do, but I mean it every year. Like every year I get more. I will say this is the first year where you get, uh, cryo chambers. So this is, I'm so excited. So I will give it to you that I don't think you've, you could never be this excited because this is the first time that it's featured that. So, okay, that's that's. I think that's, that's the fair. deciding factor for you, <laughs> and I will give it to you. Um. So yeah, I'm very. I mean, we're very excited about this. I think we've it like ten times. Now. Um. But yeah. So before we begin, just wanted to say we super appreciate if you could take a second and rate us and review us on iTunes. I know we say this every time, but it's really helpful for other fans of the hundred to find us. You know, I know that every season there are new people who discover the show and go out and look for podcasts to talk about it, especially if they're just started binging um so yeah please go out spread the word give us a shout out we really appreciate it yeah and I also just wanted to say I realized that we promised that we would be back with other episodes in the hiatus and clearly we lied um so sorry about that it was a little (laughs) ambitious of us to promise something not really yeah it was ambitious for us to promise it we were really just lazy and didn't want to do it oh yeah 
Yeah. Um, but that makes it even better now because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. I've just been like bursting for months. Yeah, we are we are also rejuvenated. It's it was a long podcasting season for us, and we are ready to jump back into it. Um, and we're gonna kind of jump in and go pretty much frame by frame in the trailer. Um, but I also wanted to say before we get started that they released that weird promo video from the CW yesterday, which oh yeah, not to be a naysayer, guys. I thought was a little cheesy. Cheesy is not the right word. It was weird. It was, it was weird. I thought it was cheesy in like the over like the melodramatic sense because this show isn't melodramatic. It's just freaking dramatic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also, it's not surprising that you and I had a similar feeling about it. But I also found it very off brand. You know, I think when you talk about marketing, you want to you want to do something that is obviously. Um, palatable um, and and geared toward the audience that you have, but also an audience to bring more people in. Um, but I just felt like this was misrepresentative of what the show is. Yes, but I will say because I've watched it like six times today, there are a few like key pieces of information that really interest me in terms of where the season's going, and I will kind of discuss that as we get to it in the trailer. Um. But yeah, so so we're going to get started. Uh, we have pretty much zero notes on this, so it's totally off the cuff. If so, you can't tell. <laughs> so sorry if this uh, feels a little bit unorganized, but we're just, we're going to, we're going to jump right in. Okay. Um, so let me open this up. And here we go. So we, we start out and we see this like big picture of the earth, like from space, um, and guys, it looks pretty dead. It's it's brown. The earth is brown. The earth is entirely... In, in fact, it's so brown that it makes me wonder where the oceans went. Did the oceans, like, evaporate? Like, they, they I can't... Where I don't are know they? if they evaporated or, like, the land, like, with all of the ash and the burn. Like, oh, maybe, maybe the like, water. Yeah. If it's, like, murky. That's gross. Because there's, like, nothing to eat either. So, like, if there were oceans, like, you would think there would be fish living in them. Like... I feel like everything is dead. Well, I think that the fish, I mean, I think if you were like, like deep sea fish, I bet they're probably Oh yeah, okay. no, the dinosaurs are fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, everything's dead. Uh, we kind of go in and we see Clark. She's walking in with her little pack and she's kind of coming up upon what looks to be the fallen polis. Um, because you can kind of see, it looks like a ship originally, yeah. um, but it actually, I think, is the Polis Tower that has kind of collapsed. And there is nothing, guys. It is totally empty. Like, we've seen what Polis used to look like, and it's, it's gone. all gone. It's um, desolate. Which is horrifying. It is. It's a very bleak opening shot. Um, so we kind of see some montages. There's one of Clark kind of walking across the desert. Um, we were joking that she reminds us. I didn't know if you were going to say this. <laughs> I'm totally going to say it. She reminds us of Jafar from uh, Aladdin, Aladdin with, when he was like in his little peddler costume. With Iago yeah. as the hump on his back. I like can't not think it. If you're every like time wondering where our frame of references are. That's, that's where we're at. Um, so Clark here is walking across the desert and I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I kind of, when I was analyzing the trailer frame by frame many, many times before this, um, I was trying to kind of put all of these scenes in order and it can be hard, but I really do think that this probably takes place early on when she's like totally alone before she's found Shadow Valley. Um, 
you know, I she I I think maybe even it could be she had to leave the rover somewhere for them to cross over to Becca's Island. So she doesn't have the rover. I doubt the rover made it through that storm. Um, so I'm guessing she has to walk all the way back to Polis. I don't know how she gets across the the ocean or the well i think the ocean is like dried well we just talked i think maybe the ocean's just kind of dirty yeah that's what i'm saying but i like, feel like there's like build up like embankments it was probably like a pretty shallow area like it probably could have had like build up i don't think it was that shallow <laughs> all right well we will find out or maybe they'll just skip over it because another thing that i really really want to know is what did she eat like, that was the whole reason that they I all had to go to space. I cannot even tell you how many times she's asked me this question. I, I But I just, like, I can't get over it. I do think well, that, like... you don't know. They might answer this. Yeah, yeah. They, they totally might. Um, And, and I, I hope they do. I hope it's not one of those things that they just kind of hope that you don't notice. Because I certainly noticed. I do think, like, later on, maybe that there are some animals on Earth that, that Clark and Maddie can kill. But, um like right up front and especially when Clark is kind of still trapped in Becca's lab I don't know maybe there was like a stash of energy bars that they missed or something <laughs> Clark is made of strong stuff I'm I'm confident she figured something out that's true she is very smart um so Clark is kind of you know traveling across the desert here she's got her little walking stick uh, very like Jaha esque from season two as he's walking across. Good callback. Yeah. Um, and then we see kind of her rover driving through Earth. Everything is pretty barren. Um, and then last, of course, we see her sitting here on this huge cliff and looking out and basically looking as desolate as she's ever looked in her life. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. Um, and kind of over all of this, we hear her talking to Bellamy. Um, now, I don't know if this is one solid um, radio transmission. I don't know if they've, like, cut in separate ones for that. But but it kind of sounds, for the most part, like like most of it is one solid session of talking to Bellamy. Yeah, there's one section that is almost identical to the to the section that she said in the last episode. But I think other than that part, it's all... Come, it's all the same yeah I agree I noticed that too yeah. and that's kind of where the sound changes that's, yeah exactly so, you can hear them intercut yeah so throughout this whole thing we really get Clark basically saying you know Bellamy I've been by myself for two months but this is the first time that I feel alone um and I don't know what you were thinking what point this is supposed to be but my thought is that it is when she sees the destruction of Polis I agree it could be also Arcadia. I don't know if she goes that far, but I think Polis and her just having seen how alive it was before and then seeing how dead it is now um, would be really scary. Yeah, I think Polis was um, as big of a city thriving with activity and life, bursting with it, really. I mean, like it was such a, a city full of such passionate people and leadership that to see it completely empty would be, you know, horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then we, of course, get to the line. But in case this is the last time I get to do this, I just want to say, please don't feel bad about leaving me here. You did what you had to do. Thoughts? <laughs> we should have put a disclaimer at the beginning about our Bellark shipping. We always, yeah. I Standing disclaimer. It is a standing disclaimer, but we are starting a new season. So I'm just going to re-say it here one last time. I apologize in advance. Um. I think we all had the same reaction to this, which is the dot, dot, dot 
she could have said I love you in fact I wish she would have said I love you <laughs> but um this uh this phrase instead please don't feel bad about leaving me here you did what you had to do is 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 the hundred it is representative of what the hundred stands for and what the show is about and what their relationship is about and this is really symbolic of of Clark and Bellamy also I want to say I feel dumb because as many times as I've gone <laughs> scene by senior, I did not notice when she is talking on this radio. She, they are in Arcadia. Oh, they're in Arcadia. There's a the big Arcadia sign there. Look at um, it. It's right there. And now you can see kind of Arcadia, the the ring kind of up in the background. Not the ring, the, what do they call it? The sectors. Yeah, the yeah. sectors, sure. Um, so so that is, I, I guess that would be then when she says it is when she's looking at Arcadia and, and she's saying like, it's like we were never here. Um, because it basically, well, it's not like you were never here because it's very messy there, but you're certainly not there anymore. Yeah. She's very alone. Yeah. Um, All of her people are gone. But yeah, I think the collective Bellark fandom held their breath when she was uh, saying that line about, you know, please don't feel bad about leaving me here. Not that I actually thought she was going to say like, I love you, but I thought they were going to leave it as a dot, dot, dot. And then I could fill in the blanks. Oh, I like I couldn't fi- like I, I I didn't think they were gonna leave it as a dot dot dot, but I also couldn't figure out what was coming next. Yeah, the <laughs> the like question mark of like how are you gonna finish this sentence? Yeah, definitely was thrilling. Ah, uh, Bellamy and Clark. There's a lot of those. How are you going to finish this sentence? <laughs> yeah, a lot of trailing off. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, so we kind of move into the arc scenes. Um, there's a picture Speaking of, of Bellamy <laughs> of Bellamy staring out the window and Bob Morley says he does that a lot this season so you know I think it's clear I mean he does think that Clark is dead um, but he also still has Octavia that he's you know waiting for and hoping that she's still alive somehow um, and so I think Earth just represents everything that that he wants and everything that he misses yeah and i think that as he um continues to be like the de facto leader for space crew i think clark is never far from his mind and their parting words about using his head as well as his heart are never never gone and so when i think he's like looking down to earth he's thinking about his sister who is alive and thinking about clark who is not yeah um, and then we get Clark's voiceover talking about Monty's uh, producing of the algae and that, you know, they should be about this time. It should be ready. And of course, we get the nice little scene of there's only six of them here. So we're missing Monty or Murphy in the scene. I'm not really sure where he is. We can talk about that. He's probably pissed um, off pouting somewhere. But I, I, I hope this is like the first time they all tried the algae because they're going to be eating it for like six years. And I, I kind of want to know what they think about their, it that, their first reactions yeah. eating the green goo yeah um Ugh. and so i think this kind of sets the tone with murphy not being here with me thinking well we, we've heard from a lot of the cast members that murphy's had a, had a rough time yeah um so i don't know if he's like off sulking somewhere that seems likely for i murphy. think that's likely yeah i would that's my headcanon for the moment <laughs> Um, and then the next scene we get is Clark looking out over Shadow Valley. And guys, I am like 99.999% sure that this is the moment that she actually discovers it. Um, because if you look closely, there is like a bird that's landing on a branch in front of her. It looks like a like a falcon or a hawk or something like that. Um, a, I, bir- a bird of prey. A bird of prey. It's a big bird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that survived 
Well, that's the thing. I, I, I kind of envision her walking around the desert with her little walking stick. Um, everything is barren. And then she suddenly sees this bird. And maybe it's like the first bird that she's seen or the first like anything that Living she's seen. Living creature. Yeah. Um, since she left Becca's lab and she follows it. And then it's like you know, the land before time, the the great valley, just kind of the sun comes over it and she sees all the greenery. It's a very good scene. This is classic Renaissance animated movie <laughs> reference number two of the podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that bird led her there. And I am so excited to learn more about Shadow Valley. Um, I think she said that the, the death wave kind of jumped over it because it does look like it's kind of, I mean, like it's, a valley so yeah, it's so it's sunken. It's, it's sunken down um i don't know if that's the only explanation that seems a little weak because like surely there are other valleys in the world um that are deeper than, that are this, deeper one. than this one who knows who knows fire I, doesn't really work that way but <laughs> i do think it's funny we'll see here in a minute how big the eden looks from space versus how big it looks now are very different things this looks like a nicely sized valley but yeah. when it's in space... Yeah, this valley looks like the valley I grew up in in California. <laughs> like the famous valley, like capital T, capital V. And the valley from... Or the, the Eden from space looks like the size of New Jersey. <laughs> so, so those are very different scales. It'll be interesting to see how those two scales reconcile throughout the season. Yeah, maybe this is just like like the edge of it. Maybe it just like goes on for yeah, a while maybe, past this. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's, that might be very true. Um. But it's beautiful, and I'm very excited. We see pictures of Clark kind of trailing her hand over flowers, and there's some beautiful sunlight through trees. And then we get my Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) Our Maddie. Our Maddie. I love her already. Like, immediately. We loved her from the end of last season, but, like, I love her even more now. Yeah, it was instant love. With her cute little braids, and it looks like she... And I guess we kind of knew this, too, from last season. She's driving the rover. Clark taught her to drive, um, which is wonderful. I didn't really even know. I guess Clark has driven before. Usually it's Bellamy who does the driving. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but I am kind of assuming that Maddie's from Shadow Valley, and that's how she survived. What, okay. what are you thinking? I did not assume that, but now that you're saying it, that makes sense to me. That That is certainly, like, so- sounds like the most reasonable explanation. Um, but there could be, like you were saying, another reason about her being a nightblood. Yeah. Um, and traveling there and just, you know, missing, hiding somewhere where the fire didn't get to her, like another kind of bunker or something like that. And the radiation didn't kill her because of her nightblood. Yeah. I mean, that, that would, that would not be shocking either. And I do kind of have a nice little headcanon that's really pretty much a stretch, I think, but that Echo somehow knows Maddie, um, or even Amori somehow knows that. I just like want there to be like a nice connection there. Um, but it's doubtful. But it would be cool if she was like from Asgata or something. I don't Ooh, know. That would be cool. Right? Yeah. Um, Ooh, it would be cool if she was from Asgata and they had to hide her because Nyla was like crazy. Naya. Queen Naya. Naya, yeah. Naya was like well, crazy that's, that's, and like yeah. scooping up the Nightbloods and like forcing them to like take and, over and, and start a revolution. For so then then they would have hid her. Ooh, I like that theory. Yeah. But I do think it's more likely that Maddie was just like hiding in Shadow Valley um, because she's very young. I think when they found her, I don't know how old she's supposed to be here. She looks, I don't know, like between 11, like 10 to 12. 12. Um, but she would have been like six maybe when Clark first found her. And not that she's, I'm sure, not a very resourceful kid, but 
there's only so much resourcefulness you can have when you're six and, and trying to survive in a world that's basically a desert. Agreed. So I think it's more likely that she was from here and she was able to kind of use these supplies to survive. Um, Solid. But, but we'll see. We'll see. I would be good with either either one. But if she's from a clan, I would like it to be as Gata. <laughs> okay. Noted. Um, so we have our little Maddie here. She's talking to Clark over the fire. Um, and she's, you know, ta- Clark is kind of showing her this little book she has where she's drawn really like the story of her life. You know, we see portraits of Octavia and Bellamy, but then we also see um, on one page there is a portrait of Octavia at the Conclave. Um, and on the other, it looks like it is Clark watching the rocket leave Earth. So it's like she's kind of drawn the story of her life in like a fairy tale esque way to tell Maddie. Yeah, it's like a history of their their people. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's like the last kind of historical document that is surviving of all of that transpired here. Um, and I do think, given how young Maddie would have been when they met, Clark would have had to water it down with some fairy tale esque features to make it not so horrific but um there is a lot of truth also and I'm sure that as Maddie has grown the nature of the story has also grown I'm actually not sure if it has which I think I kind of think will be an interesting dichotomy I think Clark started telling Maddie what essentially are fairy tales about her friends um we, we know from the cast and, and especially Eliza saying like Clark is a mama to this girl. Like she is her mother and she feels like she's her mother and she feels very protective over her. Um, and when Clark loves something, she will like fight for it fiercely. Um, Which we will see later on in the trailer. <laughs> I, I think that she might shelter Maddie a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she will. And I'm really, really interested to see when Maddie actually meets these people who Clark have, has been telling her stories um, about what is Maddie going to think of them? Like, what does Maddie know about them? I'm, I'm assuming Clark has kind of sugarcoated a lot. Of, or not sugarcoated it so much as I think Clark, in missing her friends, will tell Maddie the most idealized versions of her friends. Agreed. And also, you know, I think in the nature of storytelling, like, you're always, you're never going to be able to to replicate it or reproduce it, you know, like 100% accurately. And I also think saying something and listening to something are very different activities. So even if Clark represented it fairly accurately, given, you know, the fairy tale qualities that we're talking about, Maddie, as a young child, you know, I think back on the ways that I used to like watch Disney movies or other kinds of things. I don't think I would come to them the same now as I did as a child. You know, things are just like bigger and and like have like a much more magical quality to them that you never really quite let go even as you grow up. So I'm sure Maddie has like these grand ideas of who these people are and that will be interesting to see how she she reconciles them against these real life people with blood and bones. Oh, absolutely. And I think especially I'm curious to know what Clark told her about Octavia. Mm. Um because Clark and Octavia have had a little bit of a rocky past and Octavia has done some shady th- I mean Clark's also done some shady things but Octavia has kind of been a loose cannon for a lot of the time um and I I kind of wonder if Clark has painted her as this like warrior queen such and such you know versus what she actually is which is like a very traumatized girl who's kind of trying to figure out her place um and as we kind of see later on in the trailer which we'll discuss in a little bit 
it does seem like Maddie and Octavia are going to form some sort of special bond. So I, I wonder if that's because Clark has kind of omitted some of the truths about Octavia. Yeah, that is a really interesting idea. Um, so, so Maddie is saying, you know, I'm sorry that your friends left you. And Clark, of course, is like, I'm not because then I would never have met you. And everyone cried. Yeah. That's the like mama bear relationship is solidified. And I think, you know, just confirming what we were already anticipating from last season, that little snippet we got at the end. I think I'm so excited to see Clark in this new role and this new facet of her personality. We never, ever you know, she's always been the leader and the protector of her people, but having this truly unique bond to one particular person, very similarly to the way Bellamy felt about Octavia or the way her mother felt about Clark, this is a, a new facet of Clark's um, personality that we've never been able to see before, and I'm really excited about watching her be this kind of new character. Oh, absolutely. Like, I I don't think we, – we don't really get – um the Clark and Bellamy dichotomy in this trailer, but I am curious that it seems in some ways that they've not necessarily switched places, but kind of merged into a nice middle space. Well, I think reversed though in some ways because Clark has rubbed off on Bellamy and Bellamy, I mean, and Clark has assumed this sort of maternal role, whereas Bellamy was very paternal. And I do think him being the de facto leader has made him cool his jets a little bit. So I I do think they probably still complement each other very well, but I think, they are on the opposite ends of the spectrum that they started on. Yeah, I mean, I, I I, think that Bellamy, I think he still has the heart aspect, but I think that, you know, Clark's final words to him about, you know, using his head, I, I think that probably stuck with him over yeah. the, the years. And so I think he probably always wants to think with his heart, but, like, he tries to like force his brain to yeah think I think he overcompensates a lot for it now which he didn't used to force himself to do um but as for Clark I am certainly like very curious about how this how being a mother has changed her um I'm also a little nervous because I I think that the Clark that we know is gone um and I'm, I'm a little afraid of this new Clark who's singular purpose is to keep this child alive and and what that means because we know what Clark is capable of doing so when her focus is only on one person how is everyone else going to suffer and how is Clark going to balance that because she I mean she cares about a lot of people but like it seems like Maddie's going to be her person that she has to keep alive no matter what right and I and I think you know the Clark that we used to know if this show had like a moral compass to speak of you know our end our entry point was Clark and I don't know if she's going to maintain that same standing when she will probably be willing to sacrifice and do a lot more things for the sake of Maddie yeah um which she didn't used to do before everything was for the good of her people everything was for the greater good and now the greater good is irrelevant because Maddie exists and Maddie is her people that is her people right so yeah a little nervous we'll see I'm so excited (laughs) I'm ready um, so let's kind of transition over. We get to see a picture of Murphy looking out at the Elegious ship. <laughs> very, very excited for this, guys. Um, and then, of course, the the huge green space that's like the size of New Jersey, as we said. Um, and it's like especially concerning to me that 
there really is just that green space. Like, you look everywhere else, and it is brown. Yeah, Jason, like, wasn't cheating. Like, they really wanted to contain this to, like, whatever amount (laughs) of acres this is. But it's small. And this green space, I will say, is hella green. Like, they've been using crazy amounts of fertilizer. I was going to say, it almost has that, like, toxic glow. Oh, well, <laughs> it there might be some toxic things uh, in this it, world. It looks radioactive to me, but I understand that that's just for the sake of making it pop out in space. <laughs> I um, I do think maybe this is a good time to kind of bring up a line that I found interesting from the CW promotional video, um, which I guess what we said before is true, but I am very, very excited that CW is actually promoting the show finally. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, all, I'm in shock. Yeah. I didn't know... I didn't know they could do this. <laughs> Where have you been, CW? Where have you been? Um, but the line that's towards the end of the trailer when Octavia says, um, one garden, two serpents, Eden never stood a chance. It's very concerning for me because it kind of seems to signify that they're going to destroy Eden in their fight for Eden. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always been sort of the the MO of the show is you have a limited set of resources and you have multiple people vying for it. And then you and, blow it up. And then you <laughs> and then you ultimately destroy the one thing you are trying to save. And in previous seasons, that has meant that you can move on to greener pastures. In this case, there are no other pastures. This is the only green pasture. This is the only green pasture. <laughs> so... So yeah, I think this is very, very standard, typical 100. It's just the stakes are even higher. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself a bit, but if they do destroy Eden, where do they go? I like, told you, what they're going underwater. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to Atlantis. <laughs> I love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Mermaids. <laughs> oh, that'll be a different season. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, maybe uh, the radioactivity there will kind of give them all gills and they can just go live in the, the ocean, in the, the brown ocean here that we're seeing. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> okay. Um, Focusing. So, so Elegius is just sitting here hovering over the green space. Um, so something I wanted to bring up is it's very clear that there are two ships. And not there's like two Elegia ships because there's this really big one that's just chilling in space. And then there's also the smaller one that they take down to the ground. Um, so at this point here, do you think that the smaller one has already landed or is this before anything has gone to Earth? I think this is before anything has gone to Earth. What do you think? I've been kind of going back and forth between this. I think I side with you. I think this is before the Elegia ship lands. Um, if I had to guess, I think that... This episode where we see this scene is probably a flashback episode where we kind of see how the space crew eventually made it to the ground. Yeah. Um, But I guess we'll find out. So Murphy's the one who's like, why don't we just turn on the lights? I want to get out of here. Maybe they can give us a ride down. Uh, And Bellamy, using his newfound head, (laughs) is like, let's just not be hasty. Don't be hasty. (laughs) That was a Lord of the Rings reference if no one else got it. Uh, We did not write notes, guys. (laughs) This is how we converse. Um, And so this is really the first... I guess we saw the algae spot, but this is one of the first uh, times that we get to see all the space crew here together. Um, in the front, we have, of course, we have Bellamy, uh, Echo, Monty, Murphy, and um, Harper. Harper, the one that I 
<laughs> Says it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could live without. Hopefully this season will change that. We'll talk about that later. Um, and in the background, we see Raven and Imori, like way in the background. They look like they're kind of hovering over some computer screens because yeah. of the way that the light is hitting their faces. Um, so I have some great headcanon, which... I think could be possibly real uh, that Imori kind of learned technology at the hands of Raven as kind of like her, her second, yeah. her second in command um, because like we know an- engineering mechanic yeah. assistant. Yeah. Because I think number one, Raven needs it. And number two, Imori kind of comes from that tech scavenger background. So she, I'm sure understands it more than say Echo does. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree, and I love this idea. And Amori seems like the kind of person who, like, is really good at, like, practical application. So I just, like, love this idea. Um, and while we're here, let's just go ahead and talk about new looks that we're seeing for the season. Why don't we? Who do you want to start with? <laughs> I would like to start with Bellamy, and then I don't like his new look. I, I think Bob also doesn't like his new look. I, I think I, I saw a panel with him and Kanageta, and I was watching it online this weekend, and he was like, yeah, I, I was like, I proposed the idea of a beard in space because he's like, let himself go, but I thought he'd shave it, but then like we kept shooting, and he they didn't let me shave it, and then it just like had it the it's whole not, season. It's not just the beard. His like hair is like a little bit too his long. His hair is like season one, episode one, the the with, hair that no one wanted that, with the, without the gel it was like season one episode one pre gel <laughs> um and I don't love it I mean you can't make him look bad he still looks great I mean but he's working that Henley there it's not my favorite look of of Bellamy I'm loving the blue shirt <laughs> I mean the Henley blue shirt is my favorite shirt um and then of course we have Harper and Monty now Monty has got a haircut thank you finally he looks fantastic he looks older he which does is good because yeah. he looked like he was 12 um and I think I think Harper's hair is blonder it's and blonder longer. and longer and this is one of the things that I was gonna bring up which is that all of these ladies in space are wearing a lot of makeup like <laughs> a lot of makeup there's like a there's a shot of way up close to Echo, like of Tazia later on in the episode. And you can like actually see like the individual eyelashes that they like stuck on her face. And like Harper's hair is like platinum blonde. Yeah, like where'd she get the bleach? There's, I <laughs> well, mean, like, I guess I'm sure they probably had bleach I'm just there. saying like, I don't think these guys should look this good after six years of it. It's like, you know, like a, a Oh I God. mean, what I is mean, the word? Monty's a chemist, so maybe he has like been brewing them some makeup. I just feel they have nothing else to do up there but look good. I just feel like <laughs> this is an unrealistic representation of what they would look like in a tin can in space. That's true, and the show never has unrealistic representations of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Murphy looks fantastic. Murphy does look A plus Murphy. A plus. His haircut is great. His scruff is great. That's the scruff that that is the right amount of scruff. scruff. (laughs) His scruff is on point. Right. Bellamy (laughs) needs to learn how to manage his scruff from Murphy. Bellamy is just like I said, he's let himself go. He doesn't care. Yeah. Clark's not there. So he doesn't give a shit anymore. Um, But Echo looks amazing her hair is all wavy and like her nice little shirt which is a little risque there but I'm just seeing I think they like kind of over sexualized the girls a little bit I don't know if that's true I don't think Raven's ever been sexualized I don't think Amori's ever been sexualized I, fact, was, like, I don't think specifically talking about Harper and Echo well Harper has always been like a little bit more girly it seems I wouldn't call her sexualized Echo, I don't think, has ever been, quote-unquote, sexualized before, although this shirt, like I said, is a, is a little bit lower cut, but who cares? 
I think she looks great. She does. I have no problem with any of these outfits except for the fact that it's just like they all look really good they for being really in space. Good. Um, I will say that if I were in space with Bellamy, I would also want to look good all the time. That so. is a good point. <laughs> if I got access to bleach and mascara and eyeliner and false eyelashes, I would also be doing that every day in the hopes that Bellamy would notice me. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we have Raven, who, I mean, let's be real. She, as an actress, is one of the most beautiful people stunning ever. But I am not loving the, like, early 2000 side pieces that are hanging down. The, like, like hair length, long side pieces. The chunks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting look. And I am, it is an interesting thing to think about, about, like, who crafts what they're going to look like. Do the actors get any input in what their characters, like, hair and makeup look like? I'm assuming not a lot, but maybe a little. And I, I think, think at this point, they know their characters so well that it would be valuable input. So I'm curious if Lindsay was like, yeah, let's do this like cool disheveled like ponytail. And they were like, okay. But it like doesn't look disheveled. It looks very placed. Like those hairs were like meticulously taken out of the ponytail to hang down. Yeah. It's a little much, but you know, you still look great, Raven. You can't There's, make her yeah, ugly. Nothing could, could hurt her looks. Um, but and then of course Amori, who we don't see a lot in the trailer, so it's no. kind of hard to tell. It looks like her hair might be a little shorter, but maybe I just don't remember how. Yeah, long her I, hair was. I didn't get a good look. But Amori also always looks fantastic. So, um, yeah. so yeah, and and we'll get to Octavia. Oh yeah, and her transformation later. We've already and, seen and Gaia's. Whew. I don't know if I can talk about that. It's too good. We have to talk <laughs> about it because I'm obsessed. Um, but but yeah, we we've talked about Clark. So so yeah, it's just. It's just the bunker people that we can we can talk about later. Um, so continuing on, Bellamy is, you know, doing the smart thing. Then we kind of get a flash to the little mini Elegia ship landing. It's got a it's like a little like rover ship. Yeah, hovercraft. Little hovercraft, yeah. Um, so this is I'm assuming obviously the moment that we see at the end of season four when Clark sees the Elegia ship land. Um, and it's a very interestingly shaped ship yes it doesn't look aerodynamic at all it doesn't but it, it doesn't seem like it's made to go fast it just seems like a landing ship yeah, like so, a transporter yeah kind of what i think is this might be some sort of army uh i don't we don't really know yet what the the gagarin gagarin whatever that that company is that built this um we don't know what they built things for um <laughs> I have this whole headcanon about the history of the Elegious Miners that I will get to. Um, but this kind of looks like the sort of ship where, like, if you were going to do an invasion from space, you, you'd you have that big Elegious ship. It would be sitting in space. And then this would just kind of go down to land wherever you want to fight someone. Yeah, and it to has... Like deploy people. Yeah, it looks like it has kind of military capabilities. Like, we kind of see inside later that it has, you know, all these computer screens, um, maybe bunks. Yeah, Maybe they like, weapons. They like have like tracking for heat signatures and like, you know, radar and like all that stuff that looks like almost like the inside of a submarine. Yeah. So this is like a portable army camp, basically. Let's just call it that. Okay. Um, so this opens up and we see Charmaine Dioza striding out <laughs> in love with her already. I'm like so ready to love to hate her, you know? Yeah. Well, she seems like the best kind of villain where she's like super intelligent, 
on an opposite opposite side of us but you can see that if it were from her point of view she could be the hero of her own story oh absolutely which is the best kind of villain i do really hope that the show focuses on making her point of view really clear like we we weren't podcasting at this point but pike from season three um well number one i love mike beach and i think he did an amazing job but i do think they could have worked a little more at fleshing out that character um I, I think that they, they went about halfway, but I, I could have seen it pushed a little farther. Yes. So I, I really hope that they really show us who this woman is and, and give us a reason to empathize with her, even if we don't agree with her. Yeah, I want them to humanize her in a way that they've proven they can, especially with um, antagonists like Dante and Anya. You know, these yeah. are, this is what the show excels at, and I want them to do it again. In the character description they released um, of her when they announced this actress being cast, it was something like she is a military leader or she's had like a lot of military experience, Um, which kind of leads me to ask, what was she doing on this ship? Uh, Was she a prisoner? Was she a guard? We can get into that in a little mm-hmm. bit, um, but I see what you're laying down. Yeah, that I'm gonna. That, that's just like laying the breadcrumbs of my theory We're later. Seeding the ground. Yeah. Um. So Charmaine striding out, and then we get Clark kind of pointing her her gun in that direction. And I'm assuming at this point Clark isn't necessarily shooting at someone. It mm. might be just her. No, I think she's using her scope. Her scope to to kind of see what's going on. Um, because as we see, Charmaine Dioza is right in the crosshairs. <laughs> and I guess this is a great point to stop. When we see Charmaine Dioza in Clark's crosshairs, we get a fantastic view of this huge scar she has on her neck. That yeah. it very much looks like she had her throat cut at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just begs the question. You you desperately want to know about her backstory. It is a great visual cue to signify this is a an interesting person with an interesting story. And is going to bring a new layer of richness to the show. Yeah, she's she's no spring daisy. You can tell just no. right off the bat that this means that she has some sort of battle experience. Um, and she looks it. She and, looks, and as a survivor. And which, as a survivor, like crazy as you hell know, As much of this show is about surviving, and she's on the opposite side of, I guess, what we would call our people. So that's intimidating. And she does have some little side pieces, but they look great on her. I think they're the right length. <laughs> For her hair. Moving for her on. Tail. I just, I'm very concerned about this like early 2000s fashion that's coming back. It should never come back. Not in TV. Not in the real world. It was a dark time, guys. <laughs> we all had to live through it. Um, we see Clark uh, pointing her shotgun at various other people who are coming out of the Allegis ship. Now, I don't know if if any of these characters are kind of main characters they're definitely not McCreary we know what he looks like um but they also announced uh, was it Victor or there was some um serial killer yeah who is going to be coming on the show that I've seen the actor in person but I still he looks a little generic so I, I couldn't I couldn't yeah. tell also like this isn't the greatest view of them no I mean it's through yeah, through, through her scope. rifle yeah <laughs> um and then, of course, we see McCreary pop up. I think his name that they gave the full name was like Paxton Graveyard McCreary, um, who sounds like he is going to be, if not the main villain, at least a, a lovely side villain this season. Yeah, I think he is going to be the the um, cage to to use as Dante. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I, 
I love that when at the end of last season we were podcasting, we said there was going to be at least one straight up evil person on this show. I think it's McCreary. I agree. <laughs> he he looks like a psychopath. Um, and I think we've heard Richard Harmon was talking about how he is kind of Murphy in different circumstances. You know, maybe like Murphy from season one, but to the extreme. Yeah, or, or Murphy season one if Murphy had made different choices yeah. or had been presented with different options. This is a version of Murphy that he could have gone in that our Murphy stayed away from that path. But who knows? He could return to it. Um, yeah, that's ho- true. Hopefully not, but he could. So I think this season will be rough for Murphy too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so Graveyard is a really interesting nickname. I kind of wonder, this is like a little out there, but I wonder if he is some sort of like grave robber. If he's like a like grave robber in the sense of a mad scientist kind of thing. Oh, maybe. Um, like a torture expert. Um so when I, say, when I say grave robber, I mean like like a Frankenstein sort of way. <laughs> right. No, I was following that. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> um, it, it would have to be something particularly heinous if we're assuming that he is a prisoner on this mining. Yeah. You know? I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he is a prisoner, although I'll get to my theory in a minute. I think he's also, he's got some military something training. Something else. Yeah, something else. In fact, why don't just we just get start into now? It. Okay. <laughs> Um, I have been doing a lot of thinking, and I wish that I'd written this down because I hope I, I haven't forgotten any of it, um, but I am not 100% convinced that these quote-unquote Elegious miners were actually a penal colony being sent to mine something. I... I think that at least there could be ulterior motives in this. You know, we don't, like I said, we don't know a lot about this company. All we really know is that Becca really invented Nightblood um, for these people and for this purpose of space travel. Um, and we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit with the, the cryo tanks. But why were they in space? Um, we haven't met Zeke yet. But when we got Zeke's character description, it was something like, you know, he's like this plucky space explorer who wanted the chance to see other solar systems, which doesn't sound like he's a prisoner. No. It also doesn't sound like he's a guard. No. It sounds like he is going on a mission. Right. Like he's a researcher or a scientist or or even just somebody who is not afraid of a challenge. (laughs) So I find it interesting that these people that we're meeting don't necessarily fit the the criminal bill, except maybe McCreary, but they all seem to have some sort of like military training or, you know, in Zeke's case, I don't know if he has military training, but they, they seem to, you know, want to research or explore. Um, so I kind of wonder if this quote unquote penal quality was really a front and they were going somewhere for another purpose with the military as to what that purpose is. I don't know. I, I feel like it would be out of character for this show to, like, bring in aliens. Um, yeah, no, I think it's pretty squarely obsessed with humanity. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily think they went to, you know, invade an alien nation. <laughs> but but I do. But it does it does tie into a, an interesting idea, which is if you knew the apocalypse was coming and Earth was failing and you had resources to explore other places in the galaxy that could sustain life, but you didn't want to maybe broadcast that or give anybody false hope or even you're just selfish and you want to explore these options without inviting other people to come along. I mean, 
that's this maybe an idealistic way of thinking about this, but it, it could be something as as simple as just trying to explore other sustainable options or other resources to help, you know, a dying planet. Absolutely. And I think if you were going to go to a strange planet or moon or whatever, you would want to include military and people with fighting training just because you don't know what you're walking into. And also in extreme situations like that, you need somebody who is good at hierarchy. You need someone who is good at enforcing order. The military is trained for that. And even with, you know, scientists and people on a mission and and explorers and whatever, you need to have a really, really organized system of command. Yeah, and I think we've all just kind of accepted that they are minors because it's what we've been told. But what we've been told is not necessarily a reliable source of information. So I'm just, right. I'm very curious to see if it really is just that they were minors being sent to a penal colony or if there is something more afoot. And I, you know, in my in my heart of hearts, I, I really hope it's something insidious because I love insidious things. But but it could just be something as simple as... Well, I mean, there it may be insidious. I mean, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Um and I also think that this show does have a track record of giving you information and then using it and completely lying to you. I mean, we were told um, in season one, episode one, that there was no one else else alive <laughs> on Earth. That's and they true. were very, very wrong. So so who knows? Yeah. Um, I, another theory I possibly had here was, and we'll get to the cryotanks again, but that this was an army that they sent to space as like last ditch if everyone dies and we need an army we'll bring you back that kind of thing and that's maybe why they needed the the night blood to, to stay in space for so long yeah um and i'm also really curious later i think when we discuss the trailer a little bit further i want to talk about the fact that all of these people are night bloods and what that's going to mean for the show oh i love that yeah let's get into it later yeah um okay so we see mccreary walking around looking really scary sketchy uh, af <laughs> and then we see um we, we kind of hear zeke's voice say why does it have to be war at all and dioza says without this valley we die i'd say that's worth fighting over wouldn't you so i don't know what they know coming to earth i don't know if they have realized there are other people um before they actually landed uh, or if they landed, saw Clark, and they're like, you know, like they were in season one, episode one, like, oh, we're not alone. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we can get into this more later, but I think one of your other theories was that the space crew actually brought them down. Brought them down. We will get into that more later. So if they did end up meeting space crew in space, I am assuming they would have been informed of other people in the bunker at least um and assuming that they got out of the bunker so they may have been anticipating some kind of population i don't know if they were anticipating clark but something yeah but i don't know um and this image here of dioza when she's saying i'd say that's worth fighting over it looks like she's covered in blood which is already a little disturbing yeah but it's like dried blood it's like very bright dried blood like it looks like it has like a little bit i like viscera too <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's a little gloppy fluid but it's not well okay so either they've already been in like a fatal fight once they've landed or on their way down or this is leftover of of a fight in their 
spaceship. That's true. That's true. That could be. Right. Um, so, but I also, I wanted to say, we know as trailers go, they're totally misleading all the time. So we don't actually know kind of when scenes are taking place. And as I've gone over this trailer over and over again, I've kind of tried to order them out in my mind. But but like with this one, I don't know. Like we're, we're meant to believe it's right when they first land. Right. But I'm kind of wondering, you know, Zeke is saying, why does it have to be war? I'm wondering if this is after they've like already met Octavia's Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure this and- takes place farther along in the season than yeah. we're supposed to believe from the trailer. Although I'd like to believe that Zeke comes over to the good side like as soon as possible because I'm ready to to ship him really hard with Raven. Yeah, but I like them on opposing like a Romeo and Juliet situation, That's true. That's but like good a too. little bit longer than just like insta. Yeah. I like a slow burn, not as slow as Bellamy and Clark. Let's be clear, <laughs> but like a slow burn within the realm of of, of a season of of reasonability, a like. Pacey and Joey season three slow burn. <laughs> no one else will understand that reference. Uh, Dawson's Creek people should definitely understand that reference. If you guys don't, you should watch it. It's ridiculous, but it's wonderful. Agreed. <laughs> um, so Dio's is covered in blood. Zeke is not looking like he's having this. No. We see several images of him throughout the trailer. Very much looking conflicted with what they're doing. Yeah, he seems to be their version of a moral compass. Yeah, Um, which again makes me think that he is not, you know, like a military person. He's not a criminal. He, if he is a criminal, he's the nicest criminal I've ever seen. And I don't know how he got on this penal colony for the most egregious of crimes. If he is a a criminal, I wonder if he was falsely accused. Yeah, maybe wrongly accused. That's what I was thinking too. But I still don't think if he's a criminal that his um his character description makes sense so i'm gonna go with he's not a criminal and whether that means he's a guard or something else we'll that see. remains to be seen we will see but i'm very very excited to to see more of him in this show um and i wanted to see that i looked like there was almost i'm sorry i'm going through this like screen by screen now and it looks like they have a little symbol on dioza's um shoulder pads shoulder pads I don't know what that symbol is. It's like a circle with a triangle underneath and a rectangle underneath and then some sort of like triangle underneath that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's probably nothing, guys. I probably just stopped this for no reason. But just something to keep in mind. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about the backstory of this Allegis. Person. Yeah, Allegis. And, and what the difference is between Allegis and the, the quote-unquote Gagarin Gagarin um, ship like I'm assuming I guess I guess Allegius is probably the company yeah. and the, the, the Gagarin is the, the people who make the um, the ships and yeah. the, the tech um, and, and and wondering how those two worked together and whether Gagarin's even important at all or if it's just Allegius that we should be concentrating on um, but we'll see yeah with everything else we'll see then we see uh, an image of McCreary firing this like rocket launcher thing it's not a rocket launcher it's like a cannon yeah it, it's it's it, like an energy cannon because he, what he fires is like energy it's not a a projectile no and it, it it kind of acts like a like a almost like a vacuum like it, it's a weird not solid yeah um thing and it looks like he is firing at two people who are hiding behind rocks I'm wondering if this is Clark and Maddie. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I'm a little worried that they're being fired at with this huge weapon. I mean, like, clearly they're not going to die here, at least. No. I- <laughs> um, 
but I don't really know how they survived that because it looks like a really big explosion. Uh, and then we see, of course, Clark running through the woods. And then we get a nice close-up of Clark with her beautiful red hair streak. She's also been keeping up her appearance these years on Earth. That um, I find less hard to believe. <laughs> again, she's got nothing else to do. <laughs> um, but Clark is telling Maddie, this is our home, your home. And Maddie says, and they want to take it from us. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming this is probably pretty early on into when Allegius lands. Like, yeah. I'm going to say, like, episode two. Um, because my, my kind of timeline for this season is episode one will probably be mostly flashbacks. Maybe we'll end with Allegius landing, or maybe we'll get a little bit of Allegius burst throughout, but I think it'll be a lot of, you know, what Clark did when she was alone, how she found Maddie and how she found Shadow Valley. Um, so episode two is when I'm kind of expecting the action to really start. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and this is also this, this line here, your home is another reason that makes me think that Maddie is actually from here because Clark is saying like, this really is like your home. This is where you are from. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't know if maybe she's just saying it as like, this is where you live now. Or, and also like the home we built together. Yeah. Oh, it hurts me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry guys. I got really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when Maddie says, and they want to take it from us, I've been kind of trying to judge her face, facial expression here. I think that, this almost feels like she's regurgitating back something that she doesn't necessarily believe. Or I that she's trying to believe. I agree. This delivery of this line, and it's very hard to do this with very little context, but it doesn't sound like a line that you're delivering if you really believe it. Yeah. It sounds like a script. A script that she's heard Clark say over and over again and that she's just like sort of automating back I had the exact same reaction and we haven't talked about this yet so that's really interesting yeah and especially it like seems like she knows what Clark wants her to say mm-hmm. um and we'll, we'll kind of get to this more toward the end of the trailer but I do think that Clark has kind of tried to teach Maddie to be a little bit more ruthless than maybe Maddie is at her heart yeah instinctually I think Clark I mean Clark has a huge heart but Clark is able to really shut off her emotions in a way that's really not natural no no I mean we've talked about how Clark's ability to compartmentalize makes her as good of a leader and as strong as a leader sometimes you know for the sake of others and I'm you know it's not something that everybody can do it's not a natural thing so not everyone is born to lead not everybody can do that and so that is an interesting thing is like when you're raising a child especially one that you didn't get from infancy like there are certain there are certain behaviors and things that you just can't control. Yeah. Yeah. So again, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. All good that. all good stuff. Okay. Um, but going back to space into one of my my most exciting parts of this trailer, we see the pod ship launch from um the ark and it goes over to Elegius and docks there on their ship. Um and their ship is very interestingly shaped. I mean, I guess it is a ship that has to travel through space long distances, but it doesn't, it looks like, I mean, it looks like a military ship, guys. It really does. Um, and as to what that means, I don't know, but but what are your thoughts looking at it here? I have no thoughts other than it looks like something I would see, like the bad guys in <laughs> Star Trek. It does. Actually, what it looks like to me is something that is in the fleet in Battlestar Galactica. It's one of the ships in that. Um, I'm sure that was an influence that they looked to. Oh, I mean, like this whole the, show. Yeah. If you guys want to watch another 
fantastic sci-fi show that really evokes the the spirit of the hundred watch Battlestar Galactica they took so much influence I think from from that show um to this one and Battlestar Galactica the 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 remake or the the newer version not the older version it's a little cheesier um but the newer version is amazing and and you guys should watch that and the the hundred is like a huge nod and homage to that show yeah in terms of the the moral complexity of humanity um so they have docked at the Elegia ship and this is kind of where I want to discuss the beginning of the space crew story um, because we see a lot of scenes where it looks like they're in the Allegia ship. Um, you can kind of tell because of the ceilings. The ceilings in the Allegia ship have this like orangey glow to them that the Ark does not have. Um, so I've kind of tried to piece everything together within this. So Bellamy here in this is saying that Clark didn't die for us to live just so we can go back to the ground and make the same mistakes. And, and Raven's kind of, it looks like she's almost looking at a window here, or she is looking at cryotanks, which brings me to my, my ultimate theory about where they start the season. Later on in this um, trailer, I'm just going to say it now, Raven says, six years ago, I promised myself I would find a way to get us back down. Let me get you all home. So the order that I think this is happening is I think that they all spot the Allegia ship. And Bellamy doesn't want to go over. But Raven knows they might have something that she can scavenge to, to kind of build them a way to go back home. And so she kind of talks him in using this speech, talks Bellamy into taking a team over to Allegia's to kind of see what's up. Um, the team he takes, it looks to be... Raven, Echo, and Murphy, and then, and then Bellamy. Um, and we kind of see them on this ship looking at the cryopods, which we'll discuss. I really think that his line here about, you know, going back to the ground to make the same mistakes, Clark didn't die for this kind of thing. I think that is him talking about what to do with people in the cryotanks. Interesting. Um, I'm going to stop there. We'll keep talking about that yeah. later when we, when we keep seeing it. But yeah. I, I think the the first moral quandary these people face is whether or not to wake up the cryotank sleepers. Yeah, I think that's a really, really cool idea. And I would like the idea of the show bringing in this question of morality for people who we've been led to believe may not deserve to be saved. Yeah, like the quote-unquote criminals. The criminals. The same criminals of the 100 who yeah. got sent down to the ground. It's not lost on anybody. <laughs> it's not subtle. <laughs> no, and I think Bellamy would be particularly sensitive to that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do. I'm, I'm very interested to know what they think these people are here for, and like, and, and do they know anything yet? Because we do know that Raven, at least, had pulled up a, an article about the lost mining colony um, back in episode one of season four. It was like one of her on her computer screen. Um, so I don't know if she like knows about it or if it's, you know, just more so that she just thrown it up and forgot about it. Um, so I don't, I, I guess, I, do you think that they know who these people are? I think Raven does. Yeah. I think her like computer brain, even though that's technically not part of her anymore, I, I think she knows who they are. And I think that she, she probably knows who they are. And I think Murphy probably knows who they are. And I think that is probably one of the reasons why Bellamy is so hesitant to go over there why would Murphy know who they were I just feel like him and Raven have been hanging out and like all they and they he was also like um like when they were building the like the rocket and stuff I don't know I have this like weird feeling that Murphy knows and I also have this weird feeling that you know when we when we 
first go to space at the beginning of the trailer and Murphy is like, why don't we just turn on the lights and go over there? You know, Murphy is a survivor. He is not somebody who's going to like randomly put his life at risk. So I feel like Murphy is so bored and like so (laughs) stir crazy that he's actually willing to put himself in danger just to do something To get a little action. Just to get, I mean, just to feel alive because, you know, we've heard from Jason that um he's not doing well in captivity and he's not doing well in like quote unquote peacetime (laughs) this isn't a great time for bellamy uh, for murphy emotionally or mentally you know his mental health isn't great um who who plays him richard Harmon has said that he's obviously dealing with some ptsd and maybe other things and i feel like there are other things at play here for when how desperate murphy wants to go to the allegiance ship yeah, I could see that. I don't think that he would have known about it on the ground, but I could see Raven just telling them all. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, but I guess kind of rewinding a little bit, how do you think the Allegiant ship got here and why now? I have no idea. This is your department. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked a little bit at the end of last season um, about whether Allie might be the one to bring them back. I... I don't know at this point. I haven't heard anything about Allie from any of the cast. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, because Raven had like Allie in her brain for a while, and right, this was my theory. And Allie Allie was like still sort of controlling her. Yeah, there was like remnant code, and this was like all part of a larger scheme, and that Allie was still somehow tied to the Allegiance ship and bringing them back. I'm now. This is all connected. Yeah, we had both talked about (laughs) that, and we both kind of wondered if there was like a reason that Allie really wanted Raven in space and was it for this right um yes now I'm on your page ideally that would have been fantastic I don't know if they're going to bring Allie back Um, I don't know they I they don't I I I like get the vibe that it's not that (laughs) yeah yeah I feel like there would have been some allusion to that maybe not but or or at least like a feeling or like a tone so I guess the other thing if if it wasn't Allie was it Number one, could it have been Clark's radio transmissions that she sent daily that kind of like pointed the way back to Earth? That's what I think we're meant to believe. Um, or did Raven actually bring them there? Like, did she sense, like, did she remember that there were miners there and somehow uh, send a beacon out to find them? the way to pull them in. <laughs> I don't really know how space travel works in that way, but... <laughs> And and again, it it kind of begs the question, was there someone awake on the ship or did the ship just come Come, itself? Or, again, was the ship scheduled to return? Well, that's what I was saying or thinking when you said earlier, like, was it programmed to come back if they knew Earth was going to die? You know, maybe it was scheduled to come back. And they are, like, been, you know, drifting in space and suddenly this, like, new spaceship shows up and everybody's like, ooh. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be the <laughs> motto of the episode. Um, but so as Bellamy talks about going back to the ground and making the same mistakes, we flash in on our first look at the Bunker Fight Club, uh, which is clearly made us, you know, kind of sets us up to think that this is one of those same mistakes. Um, this is an amazing set, first and foremost. There is blood everywhere i think jason said this is the most blood they've ever used before no i think he said that about an episode at the end of this season that's what i mean in this season yeah but like about a specific episode yeah i didn't mean this particular shot but i'm saying like as far as what this is representing (laughs) the symbolic symbolism of this is there's gonna be a lot of blood (laughs) um there's you know one scene with this guy getting his face 
smashed smashed and there's this guy in the background with this epically gorgeous red beard <laughs> yeah he looks like torment from game he of does Thrones. he does um but anyway so talking about this bunker i am a little surprised that this was the um octavia's kind of way to keep order um surprised but also it totally makes sense it does you know when when people had started calling her the red queen and we knew that that is one of the titles for i don't know two or three episode two or three um i thought that meant that she was going to be beheading people that's kind of like an homage to uh the red queen and alice in wonderland um but it may well be. I mean, she could still be beheading <laughs> We people. don't know. Um, but it does seem like she has set up this one crew fight club. Um, so I'm curious if you think this is something that has happened after they realized they couldn't get out. Or was this something that she set up pretty early on as like solve your differences in the cage? Yeah, that's something I was wondering too. I think... I feel like it probably happened pretty quickly, like even before they found out they couldn't get out. Because yeah. I think with the population that they had and the limited space that they have, it just seems like fights were bound to happen and Octavia doesn't really have the patience or the ability to smooth those things over. I feel like it probably happened pretty quickly. I mean, as as she said, she's not a leader. Yeah. <laughs> You just made that perfectly obvious. Um, in fact, she might be saying that here. Yeah. Uh, we do see the scene of her kind of running. I can't tell if she's in the bunker or if she's outside, but she's wearing this cloak. Um, yeah, like what her you... season four cloak. Yeah, like her assassin cloak. Yeah, the one that I like gave her so much shit about because I was just <laughs> like, you look like an assassin. <laughs> you are an assassin wearing an assassin cloak. <laughs> Going through this scene by scene, it does look kind of like the bunker it does um it so does maybe like this bunker, is yeah. kind of early on when she's still trying to solidify her rule i'm assuming as we kind of see this progress it looks like people are rioting against her and maybe like turning against her in some way and she has to hide um before yeah. she kind of takes control takes for the final control. time um but we do see her scene talking to Jaha and she's saying you know I'm not a leader they won't listen to me and Jaha says make them listen oh Jaha the the like great leader council <laughs> yeah every season um yeah I, I think this is probably let's be real this is Jaha's last season and not only that but he probably only has one more episode in him I mean I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this but I'm not mad about it I know you're not I I will miss him more than you do, I think. Um, I do think he's always brought an interesting perspective to the show. But I am really curious before, like there have been rumors and I was 100% behind them that Octavia was going to kill Jaha at some point in the um, in the, the, the six year time jump. Um, and I, I still think that's true, but this scene kind of gave me pause because it looks like Jaha's, you know, sitting here you know spouting his wisdom about yeah how i mean lead. it looks like she's turning to him for advice so i'm kind of wondering if jaha at some point goads her into killing him as a way to like essentially like unite people yeah, and keep solidify alive. her power because that is such a jaha move is to like sacrifice himself to like keep his people together yeah yeah i could totally see that happening and i think it makes a lot of sense given what we've been provided in the trailer 
And in this scene here, it actually looks like they are either hiding out in like the engine room, the same room that um, Bellamy was tied up in in season yeah. four. Um, I don't know if they're hiding out or if they have like been imprisoned here. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting too because Octavia isn't is not wearing her like red queen garb yet. Oh yeah, this is definitely before. You she... know, this uh, this conversation is happening pretty early on in her reign, so to speak. Yeah. I think this is what like sets up her becoming the exactly. red queen. Exactly. So that's an interesting thing though, is that she's she's using Jaha as her form of counsel even d- despite their history together. And they both look exhausted. They do. Like, Jaha's Jaha just looks... kind of, like, leaning, laying against the, the pipe here or whatever. He looks awful. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't either know. Number one, maybe Jaha tried to lead some sort of, um, you know, re- rebellion against Octavia, and she has him locked up, and now she came down to talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're both locked up in here, or he's on her side and he's helping her. Whatever the case, I think this pairing, the two of them, is going to be pretty explosive. Um, I do think Jaha's going to die, but under the circumstances, I'm wondering, you know, in what way is he going to die, and what is his death going to mean for Octavia's development, and, and how for... did, and how does it come about? Yeah, and who, it, like Dumbledore style, does he plan it? Yeah, or was it unintentional? Um, so after Jaha says, you know, make them listen, we see this epic montage of Octavia taking out all of these soldiers, which that's fine. I, I'm, I let go of the, the qualms I have about her kind of becoming an expert fighter in like three months. It's fine. I've let it go. Um, (laughs) have you? Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) I'm trying really hard to let it go. But this fight here, she's amazing. It looks like she is single-handedly taking down, like, an army of people. Yeah, no, like, an entire coup. She's leveling them. And she is covered in blood. Like, face, like, arms, shirt, everything is bloody. And it's amazing. Um, And she says, you are one crew or you are the enemy of one crew. Choose. So I think this is kind of the point where she is, like, I am going to be the leader. I'm going to take control and you either listen to me or you die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very Octavia. <laughs> it is. It's it's very black and white. It's very Octavia. There's very little shades of gray in her character and in the way she views the world. Yeah. Not in her character. I mean, in the way she views the world. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um. So I, I think this is probably the setup of how she takes control. This is probably before the fight club. Yes. I'm assuming that this is when... Like, after this is when Fight Club ensues. begins. Um, my question is, do you think that people, like, things started getting really bad in the bunker after this point? Or do you think it was only after they realized they couldn't get out? Um, I think we were talking about degrees of bad. I think it got really bad after this point, And I think it gets even worse when they realize they can't get out. Yeah. I I would probably agree. Um I am curious, I guess we can talk about it now, I'll go ahead and say it. I I do think that originally this kind of fighting ring was built as a way for like, maybe maybe, um, all fighting is illegal in the bunker. Like if you fight anyone outside of this ring, you like are automatically killed um, as a way to kind of, you know, keep people from being hurt. Yeah. Um, But like you can maybe, you know, throw the gauntlet at someone call a fight and then you two can have like a fight to the death within this ring and that is like the the system of justice that Octavia has set up um 
which seems like it would, would, I don't know if it would work, but it seems like an Octavia thing to do. But I wonder, <laughs> I'm going to bring it up now, guys. We've all heard the rumors of cannibalism. Uh, I hope, at least I hope we have. If you haven't, the rumor is people think that in the bunker, they might have had to resort to cannibalism at some point. Um, I, I'm kind of wondering, it could go two ways for me. It could be maybe either when they realized that the bunker wouldn't open, you know, maybe maybe one of their systems was broken and maybe it couldn't sustain them for like much longer. So this fight club became kind of a way to, to call the population while also giving them food. Food. I'm trying not to think about it. I, I'm not convinced that cannibalism is a thing. It might just be a joke. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'll say that. No, no. I wouldn't be shocked if they did cannibalism on this show. I think that is a no- another moral complexity quagmire that they would be interested in untangling. It would be really gross. I did think uh, – I think it was um, Nyla. We haven't even talked about Nyla. She wasn't in this trailer, and it broke my heart because I want to see what she's doing. I'm a little bit worried about her character given what um, Jessica Harmon said about her at one of the cons. Um, Just the fact that Nyla is a little darker and harder, which I guess makes sense. It does. But Nyla is like my perfect, you know, pure bundle of joy, and I I don't want her to be dark. I want her to be wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think that she said that she was in a scene with uh, Miller and – it like almost made them throw up and I don't know if that was like the only thing I can think of is they were either eating a person or watching Octavia eat a person yeah I I, like don't know if like again it's hard to speculate but I wouldn't be shocked if cannibalism showed up and I wouldn't be surprised if it had something to do with my club yeah Uh, so we'll leave it at that yeah We'll, we'll keep going um we see Kane here saying saving our people is about more than keeping them alive and Kane looks like he is in the fighting ring himself there is blood all over the floor I don't know if it's Kane's or if it's someone else um my actual thought is wondering if the the fight's already happened and he's still down there like trying to maybe he won and is feeling very conflicted about it um but it's clear that Kane is not down for Fight Club. <laughs> no, he's not into it. He does not approve of this system. And we do see a scene of him later jumping with like a huge battle axe. So I don't know if this is in the same fight or if he has slowly come around to the idea of Fight Club. And and, and why is he in the Fight Club to begin with? I know that Octavia is still not 100% solid with Kane given their backstory. Maybe he wasn't in the fight at all maybe he jumped in to like break it up because he wasn't he didn't approve of it and he tried to stop it and the person died anyway and he got injured that's why he's like down for the count here Kane would do that I see I can totally see him intervening he's such an idealist he is um not that I'm saying that fight club is good or bad I'm I'm curious but that is the the system in place that their ruler yeah yeah and and I mean Kane is also used to being in charge at least more in charge than he clearly well, is now. I think he's used to pretending to yeah have, lying to himself that he's in charge Clark was really in charge and if it wasn't Clark it was also like Abby I was gonna say it was Abby or Jaha or like a hundred other people in line people did respect Kane but I think yeah but as like a councilman yeah he, <laughs> he wasn't he, like, ever in charge he had such a I don't I wouldn't call it like a rosy view of things but 
I don't think he is quite as realistic to the circumstances of this world, the way that they live now, as he should be. Yeah, I don't think he has, like, the strongest reality check. <laughs> um, and I don't think that he is great at empathizing with other people in a way that allows him to understand that they may not react the way that he would react yeah I think he expects everybody to think the way that he does and he doesn't give an, give people credit for thinking on their own and that leads to a lot of trouble because it, oh, yeah. it's hard for him to anticipate what people will do absolutely um so let's move on because we're getting kind of long here oh yeah um so we see a scene of Clark getting her face bashed basically from the Allegius people and Zeke in the background just kind of turning away looking like he is not here for this um, but he's kind of accepted it. Um, and in, in kind of my my headcanon, this place here is maybe like episode two. I think this probably happens pretty near after when she's telling Maddie that like this is our home mm-hmm. and, you know, and they want to take it from us. Um, I think that Clark tries to get more information about them or tries to sneak up on them. And I think that they you know, capture her, basically. Yeah. Another thing is we can see that this is at um, the Shadow Valley camp or whatever they they call it Mm -hmm. their little like hippie commune yeah that they're living in very colorful very lovely um because we can kind of see the the like cloth like the laundry line yeah Yeah. um so either that or clark and and maddie were just hanging out there and allegia snuck up on them and maddie got away but it doesn't seem like clark would be just like hanging out with her guard down um now that she knows that they're on earth so yeah, I, no. i'm thinking it's more likely that she tried to like sneak up on them and they captured her or she like let them capture her so that maddie could get away that's also possible that's a good point that's a very good point she yeah. would do that <laughs> um we see a quick scene of murphy running very fast looking very scared very so scared. i don't know what he's running from uh but then we flash to this really interesting shot of the shuttle pod from the ark and it has only five people in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, only mm-hmm. five. You heard me correct. So I, I'm guessing that there are there's Harper and Monty because they're wearing their same suits from um, the end of last season. Yeah. Um, the people at the controls, I'm like 99% sure, are Raven at the major controls and then Imori, like I said, as her, as her new tech helper. And then I think Echo is kind of by herself in the corner. <laughs> Looking very much uncomfortable. Looking which very, would make sense. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder if Echo has kind of become more comfortable in space or if she still feels like a fish out of water, so to speak. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess maybe just a side note I'm really excited for Echo's arc this season. Oh, yeah. I know we talked about last season that we were really excited for it, and then it didn't really seemed to culminate in the way that we had hoped but I think we both realized that we had expected her arc to be shorter than it was yeah we thought it was gonna happen in a much more condensed time frame and what we are getting from Jason is that that arc that we are still hoping for and that sort of character development is still scheduled and very much on um the plan it's just gonna happen over a few extra seasons than we had originally anticipated. Yeah, like I think her arc has really just begun in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I think we wanted to see more of it in last season, but we're just getting to that point now. So I hope that they prove us right and like actually show us a lot of development with her this season. Yeah, Um, everything that we've heard from Tazia and Jason points to that being the case. So I'm very excited about Echo because the same way that we said this at the beginning of last season is we 
I love her and I really, really want to see what sh- her character is capable of. And we we were a little bit disappointed with the, her yeah. lack of development last season. Yeah, I love her as an actress. I want to see, I want to love her as a character. Like, make me love you, you know? Yeah, we're very close. Yeah. Um. So it does seem to appear, looking at this, the shot of the shuttle, that Bellamy and Murphy aren't on it. Um, I don't know if the shuttle is them going back to Earth or if the shuttle is them going back to the Ark and leaving um, Bellamy and Murphy on the Allegiant ship. I don't know. But um, that kind of ties into kind of more of my theory that we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, so we kind of flash over to Murphy and Bellamy in this fight that's kind of by the the sky. This is the window in, in the Ark. Um, and it kind of looks to me like a real fight like they don't look like they're sparring and I think maybe it's Murphy kind of just stirring up trouble yeah like like Murphy being a jerk and Bellamy just like shutting it down like I think Murphy probably lashes out in some way and Bellamy you know as we can kind of see it looks like Bellamy is gonna like push him up against this window mm-hmm. um I'm I'm I, <laughs> It almost looks like it's going to be, like, thrown through the window, but that's not going to happen because it's in space. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah, I'm curious about what they're fighting over and whether this is taking place during the, the six-year time jump or is this kind of after the five, the other five have left and they're stuck on the arc for whatever reason. Or know? after they've discovered the Allegis ship and are fighting about what to do about it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, then we get this scene of Murphy and Raven running through the halls. And the first few times I watched it, I thought that they were, like, scared. But when you actually play it frame by frame, like, look at that. Like, Raven is smiling so big. And Murphy also looks like he's having fun. But what's weird to me is this is the Allegiant ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really get why they're running through the halls with joy in the in the Allegiant ship I think um, it's like kids in a like a playground I mean I think they've been so cooped up on that arc and I don't think they think I mean I think once they discover that there's nobody awake on this ship and they can kind of do whatever they want it's like jumping on the bed oh I think this is before they discover no one's awake I don't think that they which is why I'm I'm, con- I'm confused because I think once they find the cryo tanks it's gonna be like well, okay I think they stops. think that the ship is empty not that they haven't – I don't think they've I, discovered the I bodies. I get that, but I don't understand why they would think that. Because, the sh- like, why would an empty ship just suddenly, like, appear? Unless they called it themselves, which is another story. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. But they just don't seem like they're taking the care they should in this random spaceship that they know nothing about. Um, but they, you know what? They deserve to have fun. So they should. You Enjoy it while it lasts for the next <laughs> six seconds. It does not seem like it will last very long in this season. This season, I think, has just been – Stated over and over again that it's going to be pain after pain after pain. Like the most <laughs> pain we've had yet. Basically every season of Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> Just like raising it up more and more. Um, we get this great shot of Bellamy climbing into what I'm assuming is the Allegis ship from mm-hmm. the from the shuttle. Um, and then this is where Raven tells him, you know, I promised I would get I would get you all home, so let me do that. And that's when I think that she she wants to go over to the Allegis ship and kind of scavenge it. Yeah. Hearts. And this is when we get that nice shot of her, her side pieces. Oh, God. Um, moving on, we see a nice little shot of, of Murphy here saying, see you on the other side, which I think kind of pieces together with him and Bellamy being left. Yeah. 
Um, now, as to what the other side is, I don't know. As to why they're being left, I don't know. But they're clearly being left on the Elysia ship because you can kind of see the, the red ceiling uh, behind him here. So what I'm wondering is maybe they scavenge for parts at this point. Um, I don't know if they've awoken the, the people yet. Maybe mm -hmm. they have, maybe they haven't. Um, but for whatever reason, Murphy and Bellamy are going to stay behind and maybe go down with the Allegis group. Maybe. I don't know. I guess I, I just like, I can't fathom that situation working out. But I do think that they're separated, that Bellamy and, and Murphy are separated from the rest of the space crew for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess we'll see how that plays out. We see Octavia laying down on the ground. It looks like she's hiding. We can kind of see the shadows of people kind of walking by. So it looks like she's literally like under, under the, the floor. floor. Ni nice, nice tie back. <laughs> she is literally the girl under the floor again. I think that's why that her face looks so empty. Ter yeah, yeah like she's, terrified. she's just like back where she always feared where she'd she be. started. Um, and then, of course, we get to see Dioza and McCreary shocking Clark with a shock collar. Mm-hmm. Um, pleasant. So this is, yeah, very pleasant. I think this happens right after Clark has been captured. I think she tries to escape, thinks she's, like, about to get away, and then, like, zap, zap. Like, I bet she doesn't realize that that collar is an actual shock collar. Maybe she thinks it's, like, some sort of, you know, prisoner's chain or something you... i don't know i i feel like she probably knew it was electrocuted but i think she probably thought that she was being sneaky and that they didn't know she was escaping and then boom i think it would be maybe much more of a surprise i mean like we i guess already know that she's going to be shocked but i think it would be more interesting when we're watching the show if she doesn't know it's a shock collar and for her to get that like nasty surprise about this is who you're really dealing yeah, with yeah that's this true also it leads me to think that mccreary is some sort of mad scientist um, because he's the one who seems to be controlling the shock collar. Yeah. And also enjoying it. So he's a sadist. Yeah. He's definitely a sadist. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but we see Dioza in the, in what looks like Clark's house. Um, and this is a really interesting shot because in the background, you can see Clark has drawings everywhere um i i can't really tell the, the ones that are like the most visible almost look like clark and bellamy but i don't think clark would draw herself so that seems odd to me but i can't figure out who else that blonde person would be i don't know um harper <laughs> harper <laughs> sorry she's even wearing her hair like clark she's got it in a half uh, yeah half back um and also in the corner there is some medical equipment which seems odd it, it seems like an odd inclusion in Clark's, like, little house here. I don't know. It doesn't seem that odd to me. I'm sure she went back to um, Becca's house and got all of the supplies that she and Maddie would ever need. I mean, I don't know if she can carry that. The, the thing I'm thinking of, actually, is maybe it's not Clark's at all. Maybe the Allegis people have set it up here, um, which kind of ties back into my, my theory about Nightbloods. Uh, they have the prototype Nightblood. Like, they have the first version of Nightblood before Becca had it, before any of the grounders had it. Maybe it's, like, Nightblood 1.0 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is not as stable on Earth as the updated Nightblood is. Maybe. I'm kind of wondering if 
they have to undergo some sort of medical treatment. I don't know what that would be uh, or what that would entail, but maybe some sort of medical treatment to keep themselves alive or to keep themselves healthy at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. There is in this scene, which is interesting, it looks like Kane, who's standing here with Dioza as Dioza is ripping up Octavia's drawing or the drawing of Octavia. Um, which makes me think that this has to be a scene where she has met Octavia and met the her soldiers and clearly met Kane. Um, because she, when she's tearing up this sheet, it, it like it she looks like she knows this person. Right, and she's gonna like defeat them. Yeah. Then um, it's personal. So kind of what I wonder is if they, you know, Octavia and them have tried to reach some sort of deal. And she's like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bargain. Although bargaining isn't really Octavia's style either, but it might be Kane's though. That's true. Kane might be serving as her um, ambassador, as he's kind of done before. Or he's like fed up with Octavia, and he's like trying to bro- broker some kind of peace, regardless of what Octavia wants. Which That's- does sound like something Kane would do. That's possible. Um, I think. Well, at first he wouldn't be able to because he'd be stuck in the bunker. Um, and then once they got out, I kind of figured that he can't just, like, walk across there by himself. I mean, he could, but that would be a long way. Um, so, like, he has to have come here with them, or at least with some people. Well, I'm sure Octavia sent him either to give them an ultimatum or something, and then Kane sort of has his own idea of what he wants to do. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but we get... Our next shot is of Octavia coming out of, I don't know, I guess this must be the bunker. Um, I don't think this is the first time they've been out of the bunker, but I, do you think that it is? I think that's what we're meant to believe. It could be. I don't know. Because we clearly know from later on in the trailer that Bellamy is in the bunker at some point in time. So, like, that, the door has been opened, but they're still there. Um, this seems to me like the moment that they've decided to leave the bunker. Like, to For leave good. the bunker and go to Eden. Um, because Octavia's, like, in her full battle gear. She's, yeah, like, ready to that, go. That's what I was going to say, too. These people look like they have a purpose. They don't like pe- look like people who are, like tasting oxygen for the first time in seven years yeah like they they look very confident yeah like the octavia and this other guard here aren't like looking around in awe or like horror right. because right. it's a horror show yeah really. they look like they're on a mission um but the next shot we see is a, a bunch of people running away which is interesting to me i don't think that these two are actually together i think this is like two separate scenes yeah i agree I or don't... at least a different part of the same scene yeah i don't think that they're consecutive um, and I, I'm, you know, like, what are they running away from? I don't know. <laughs> what else could be out there? There's already so much, so much terror. Yeah. Um, but we get our first look at Octavia's full battle gear and her, her lovely eye makeup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and her beautiful and her hair. her beautiful dreadlocks. Dreadlocks. And a white girl. It's not great. Um, yeah, not loving her hair. When Jason and Octavia, or when Jason and um and Marie talked before, like back in Comic Con, I think they had mentioned that Jason had this crazy idea for Octavia's hair, and Marie wasn't sure about it. We had theorized that it would be like one of those kind of half-shaven looks. Yeah, that she would maybe like shave one side of her head. Um, I still feel like that might be true. I feel like Marie might have shut that down, and so they gave her this this dreadlock thing instead they're like baby dreads they are they're I don't like them I don't like them at all 
They're yeah. also like longer in the front than they are in the back, which irritates me. Um, and then also we get her <laughs> her bright red eye makeup painted with the blood of her enemies, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> and her like really, really dark eyebrows. Yeah. Um, so she's heavily made up. She's completed her transformation into the Red Queen. She's got her hood on. Her looking, red hood. Different her than her other, hood. Other, other hood. This, this is, is her queen hood, right. not her assassin hood. You stole the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as you can clearly see here, Bellamy is here. And I can't tell in this scene um, where she's at, but she's saying that if this is the last valley on Earth, then it's ours. Kind of saying, we're taking Eden if they fight, then we're going to take them too. You know? Yeah, that's why I feel like she sent Kane with an ultimatum and then he just side-purposed that for his own ideas. Yeah, that's possible. Um, Bellamy's beard's looking a little bit better back here. No, it isn't. That, that's just not true. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I was also going to say, he doesn't look very pleased. And I think this is like a, a nice little um, sneak peek about their dynamic and their relationship. I feel like it's going to be really rocky. Yeah, I mean, Bob said at a recent con that he's not just afraid for Octavia in this season, that he, there are some points when he's actually afraid of her, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting, something that we haven't seen before, because I think in many ways... Well, I, I think it's like the potential that was always kind of brewing under the surface that she's now finally realized, this sort of the extreme version of Octavia's anger and her violence just com- gone completely unchecked. Because, first of all, Bellamy isn't there to check it. And second of all, she's had basically ultimate power. Yeah. Um, and well, so, ultimate power and so much responsibility. She had to keep all of these people alive in this horrible bunker. Right. And I think that was would be shocking to Bellamy to begin with. But I think it has also sort of deset Like, Octavia was already desensitized to begin with. But I think she's gone even further in that. And I, I don't know if she can come back. Yeah, this might be a good time to say, um, last season we talked a lot about how Octavia was kind of in the middle of a series-long arc. Um, I'm gonna, Well, we thought it was a series-long Well, that's long. what I'm saying. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I don't think that her arc is going in the direction that I expected it to go. Neither of us. I want, I mean, like, from what we've heard, she's going to go really dark in this season it, it like villain dark yeah um and, and I kind of wonder like is this is her arc basically her villain origin story yeah I mean I think instead of viewing it as an arc is it more of a descent <laughs> um but my other question is is when they proposed or they sort of executed what looked like the beginning of an upswing in her arc um was that because they didn't know if they were going to get more seasons and once they figured out that they were going to get more seasons they wanted to push her even further before raising her back up for their final to finally like bring her back to solid ground at the end of the series I mean are they just looking at this like instead of being towards the end of their of their series is this now the middle point and just pushing delaying that further I don't know I don't know um I do I I don't think that they you know tried to lighten her arc because they didn't know it was going to happen um I, I do think it makes sense that to get her to create one crew and to get them all in the bunker together, she had to have the arc she did last season, um, and especially the arc she had at the latter half of last season, you know, with Ilian um, and with Morning um, uh, Lincoln, Lincoln um, and, and with Indra and, and Indra's guidance. I think all of those culminated in her 
you know, starting this one crew. Yes. Um, but starting one crew and keeping one crew together are two very different things, as I'm sure Alexa could tell us. Right. Conquering <laughs> and leading are very yeah. different things. Or conquering and ruling are very different things. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so I, I think that, and, and like we like Octavia herself has said, she is not a leader. I don't think that she is a, going to be a good leader. I think she'll do the best that she can, but I don't know if her best will be good enough. No, I completely agree. So we'll see what happens with her arc. I'd be really interested to see. I think we know that it's going to be really dark this season, but I'm actually really curious about where it's going to go in the next season, season six. Well, I just want to bring up, this is the first season where I've not been convinced that Octavia would live through it. I think oh, there yeah. is a like 50-50 chance she could die at the end of this season. Yeah, I think this is the first time where she hasn't been on the like quote-unquote safe list. Yeah. If there is a safe list, she would have been on it, and she's not on it anymore. I'm not convinced either way. I think that Octavia brings a perspective to the show that none of the other characters have. Um, so I, 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 if I had to guess, I would say no, but I, that's not a confident no. No, it's not – I, guessing no and it not happening are very different things. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we see Clark fighting with what looks like, I'm guessing, an Allegius person. Um, and I'm assuming this is kind of right in the beginnings. So maybe this is where she gets she captured. first encounter. Not necessarily gets captured. I think she, like, finds this guy alone and takes oh, him on. That's a good point. Um, maybe I'll just say it now. At the end of the of the trailer when she says there are no good guys and shoots somebody, <laughs> I think she's shooting this guy. I think that, you know, she's responding to Maddie, Maddie being like, we don't know what these people want. Maybe they are good people. And Clark is like, or, or maybe they're the good guys. And mm-hmm. then Clark, of course, you know, with her Clark line, there are no good guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that could be. Um... And then, of course, we see this really interesting shot of this group of soldiers. They all have their faces covered, um, which I guess you would do traveling through the desert. But my question is, is this are, are these um, bunker soldiers or are these someone else? Yeah, that is an interesting question. Are these the is, is this the army that they're referring to as like the fanatics? Yeah, I mean, I I. I We'll get to that in a second, but I, I really don't know if it's just going to be Octavia's group and um, and Charmaine's group. I don't know where those lines are going to be drawn. And I just feel like it's a very hundred thing to do to have, like, another army just show up out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. It feels, it feels like almost a little too binary to have just two groups. Mm-hmm. There's always the third. Now, going back to that, that promo that just got released from the CW, they do say one garden two snakes they do so maybe i'm just overthinking it maybe this these are actually um the the bunker soldiers maybe but but they all have like the same like outfits like they all look like they're uniformed in a way that i don't believe that they would have the that kind of clothing and ability and resources in the bunker it just feels very um kind of new they do look like like the league of assassins (laughs) they do they do um but I, I wouldn't hate it if it was another army. That would be really cool. No, I think that could be really cool, too. I'm not ruling that out for the end of the season, either. I could see the end of the season ending up with, like, oh, you know, we've either won or destroyed Eden or whatever, and then, like, suddenly another group of people comes over. Definitely. <laughs> um, the next scene we see is 
this woman fighting in the Grounder Fight Club. And I think this is going to be a new character because we see her a couple of points in the trailer. I don't know who she is. Um, she hasn't been announced yet to my knowledge. Um, but she's fighting. There's like a spotlight on her. And it looks like Octavia is kind of watching from the balcony. Um, so I, I'm kind of wondering if this person is like Octavia's new second or like if she's going to play some sort of role in Octavia's like council mm -hmm. because this woman is taking on a lot of people and it's just her yeah she looks pretty fierce she does and I feel like Octavia when she like sees somebody who who looks like some or is doing something that Octavia would do herself she probably feels like a kinship with her she would just I feel like she would be automatically interested in this person yeah I'm so so excited to get all of these bunker women and to see how different they all are like we have you know what Abby's storyline is going to be which we'll get to um obviously Octavia is I'm still holding out hope for my Nyla having a great <laughs> a great plot line um because I know that Jessica Harmon was on the set at least so I know she's there somewhere um but I just think that seeing how all of these women react to this situation in different ways is going to be absolutely fascinating I agree and I'm I think that's another way the show excels is in the way that it portrays women well yeah um the next scene is we get maddie firing a gun at someone and it's hard to see it looks like i'm assuming he's an elegious person my thoughts are this happens pretty much the night clark gets captured maybe um because my my theory here you can kind of see she shoots this guy and like walks up to him but there are two other people in the corner of the frame that she doesn't seem overly concerned about like if she thought they were enemies she wouldn't be just like walking up to this other guy she'd yeah. be aiming the gun at them um so i think this might be bellamy and murphy i oh. feel like she recognizes them and like saves them from this legious person oh that's really interesting i um, love that theory and i say bellamy and murphy just because i feel like clark is or i mean i feel like um bellamy is going to find out that clark's still alive from Maddie. I don't think he's going to just like stumble upon Clark. Yeah. I think it'll be kind of through this other source, which right. will be Maddie so recognizes him. <laughs> um and like such a great moment because like, you know, his dad instincts are activated. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um but it really does beg the question of how Bellamy and Murphy, if that is who these are, how they got down to earth. Did they number one hide in the Allegiance ship? Did they come willingly with them and, like, work with them? Or was it something completely different, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's a really good question. I don't know. From this, it seems like they they are separated, like you're guessing. Um, and maybe they, like, overheard on the radio. Maybe they heard Clark's transmission on the radio while they were, like, scavenging the ship. And they decided that they needed to stay. But Raven, like, had Why to go. Why did it go? Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. I, I kind of – I don't want him to hear about Clark still being alive from her radio transmission. I just – like, I really, really want it to be from Maddie. I can't help it. I want it so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I could see, like, a world in which he was like, I got your message. A little late, Bellamy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but – so, yeah. I, yeah, I think that Maddie here is the one who finds Bellamy, and I think that Bellamy – finds out that Clark is being held captive and he goes to rescue her as he does. I would love that. That um, would be great. So that that is my hope. And I, I do think this takes place like episode two or three. Yeah. I don't think it's too far into the season. Yeah, I think it's early. In fact, if I had to guess, I'd say episode three, three. probably would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, okay, here so we yeah. go. Here we go. The cryo tanks. 
have this like seemingly endless hall of cryo tanks that we flash into and they're all clearly populated there are people in them um frozen in time my question is is this before anyone has woken up or do you think that there are some people that are already awake and maybe down to earth i think it's before um because i feel like the hundred is interested in consequences and you know what begets what and I feel like it would be really interesting if they actually brought the trouble on themselves by being by doing the morally right thing Mm -hmm. and I think that could be really interesting if they wake them up and then it comes back to bite them in the butt yeah I mean like I mentioned I think that that the moral quandary will be should we wake them up or should we just like leave them here yeah um and Bellamy will clearly be the one who wants to wake them up wake them up and not make the same mistakes and I don't think anyone else necessarily will agree with him um, especially not Echo, because as she says, like, this is an army, you know, what happens when these guys get to the ground? Right. Um, and I'm kind of of two minds. I feel like it's possible that Dioza and her people are like a small set, like a subset of these, of this army that have been, you know, went down to earth to kind of check things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also possible that all of these people are kind of now down on earth in what we saw at the end of season four like they are all in that Alicia ship that lands uh, as, as like the army but it's interesting to me to think that it's possible that there are more soldiers up in space waiting for Jesus yeah. to like make the call or to, to, to keep to bring them down yeah um and I'm calling them soldiers because I still feel like there's something well I mean Echo clearly says this is an army and I know she means that, like, metaphorically, but, I mean, it also could be very literal. It is an interesting way to put it. I mean, yeah. Echo clearly thinks differently than all the Sky Crew people do. Um, and she is, like, her life has been war, and her life has been, you know, as a spy, to to look at tactical advantages that you can find and to, to go after them. Yeah. Um, but her calling them an army, like, clearly states that they are like an opposing force yeah and it also is something that i think that she might pick up on something that the others aren't either if it's like the way that their bodies are or like whatever it is the way that the ship is set up i think if anybody was going to get an inclination that this is like a military force it would be echo and she would be the one to to call it out yeah so yeah i'm interested to see (laughs) i keep saying that it's not good it's not good (laughs) Um, and it's especially not good because, oh, I just noticed something as I'm going through this frame by frame. So Bellamy gets in a fight with, um, I'm guessing some of the, of the Allegius crew. Yeah. Um, it actually looks like they're on earth at this point. Like if you can kind of see in the background, it looks like there's like real light and not like fake light, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe he did hide out on the ship. And like stow away, and he he gets caught, um, and kind of runs away, and that's when he meets Maddie, and that's kind of how all the events unfold. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% convinced because we see here in a second that um, Echo is also fighting. Yeah. So. Very well. <laughs> I, I I really do think that Echo went down to the ground with um with Raven, or at least went away in the space pod with Raven and the rest of them. So I, I guess I'm not really sure when this would be. Maybe this is later in the season. Maybe this is them, like, attacking their their compound. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. 
That's what I assumed. Um, but it's a really interesting space they have set up. There are computers everywhere. And I think Jason confirmed a month or so ago when he started posting the um, opening credits, the new opening credits, that they are actually now being told from the Allegius perspective instead of Allie's drones. Right. Which is such a cool twist to me. Yeah, and still maintains that sort of like aesthetic that they have but is is incorporating like story elements and it also just goes to show how much technology the Allegiant ship has right and 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 maybe again maybe that i'm just not thinking about it correctly but it seems like more technology more of like an invader kind of technology than they need well i feel like it's a lot of technology for something that should be a very industrial or mechanical um mission if it was just mining you would expect things to be pretty basic in terms of like the technology but this this is really geared for like highly advanced tech yeah which is not something you would expect to see on a mining you know you would expect to see something like the tech in like armageddon (laughs) yeah definitely yeah um the next scene is something i'm very excited about oh my god it is the like alien bursting out of the stomach scene (laughs) yeah it's like very matrixy so there is someone screaming because there is very clearly something foreign and moving inside this man's abdominal region region. (laughs) um and indra looks disgusted yeah i was like i did not sign up for this <laughs> um and this also looks to be a scene where we see that woman again from the bunker the one who was fighting earlier um i don't know if she's like some sort of doctor or what but i think it's the same person and she's the one who's kind of in the middle closest to this guy's stomach you know hovering over it trying to figure out what the hell that thing is yeah and right next to octavia yeah and Octavia's there um this looks to me like Zeke is there. Some yeah. people have called it Miller. I don't think this is Miller. I think it's Zeke. I think it's Zeke too. Which makes me think this is probably um later, later. in the season. I think like, it's later. Maybe like mid-season perhaps, like episode seven. Yeah, I think this is the kind of um, ploy they would pull out in like the second act of the season yeah. to like, you know, maybe you get like a little bit of reprieve and then it gets real bad again. Yeah. And this kind of feels like that moment. Um. And then, of course, Bellamy's there. And then it's hard to tell, but actually Clark is there as well. If you kind of scroll through some of the scene caps, there's like a little bit of blonde hair in the corner. And she's also clearly holding um, his arm down. So the the gang's back together. We got Clark, Bellamy, and Octavia all in the same space. Yeah. Um, So my question is, what is that thing? What do you think? God, I have no idea. I feel like it's got to be like some kind of, well, I have two theories. One, it's some like radioactive creature thing that happened after the nuclear bombs went off and somebody, you know, ate it accidentally yeah. and it's like <laughs> taken over like a parasite, which would be disgusting. My other thought is more in line of the Matrix, which is it's some kind of tech that the Allegis mining crew, quote unquote, or military people like have designed to take down their enemies and have like inserted it in people unknowingly and now it's like killing them yeah i absolutely agree on both counts um i think it would be interesting to see kind of how nature has evolved in dangerous ways i really hope they don't go that way because personally like i i won't be able to stay in the room like it's (laughs) so disturbing to me parasites really freak me out they are really creepy i mean 
clearly it's I, I can't handle it if it's organic. Let me just say that I'm really hoping that it's robotic. I, I do think it's slightly more likely that it's robotic because I don't know if the show's going to go in like evil mutant alien versus predator yeah. kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Um so I do I do think it's probably a biological weapon of some sort. Um but it doesn't look good. <laughs> no, no, it's it's real gross. I don't think this guy is going to be alive much longer. No, <laughs> which is it sucks. For oh me. my god, it's so disgusting. We both, just got the, <laughs> we both just got the the like front up close <laughs> look at it. Sorry guys, <laughs> it's huge. We are reacting to the trailer in live time. <laughs> it's so big. I, um, so we're gonna move on past that. I will say. I'm really loving it. Like, I'm I love, really not. I love the horror aspect. Like, give it to me. Like, give me the alien popping out of the chest any day. It's going to be great. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here for it. Um, but the next thing we see is Murphy being beaten up by Legius. Um, we can tell it's Legius because they have this armor that looks kind of like um, scales or like like really big scales if that makes any sense yeah they all kind of seem to have it or at least mccreary and um yeah seem to have it they have this like alligator skin kind of quality to them yeah like like just like big patches anyway they are punching murphy and raven is tied up she's got the electrical um collar around her neck and she's screaming at them to stop so i don't know when this is i i can't figure it out like i think it could be while they're on board Maybe after they've woken up the Allegius people. Um, but I, I also think it's it could be when they're on the ground. I think it's later in the season. Just given, you know, the stress and, like, exhaustion on her face and the sweat, I feel like this is on the ground. Um, That's an excellent point. She does look very dirty. She's I really yeah. dirty and she's really sweaty and cold. And space is very cold. Yeah. And very clean. Um, I think this is later in the season. No, that's an excellent point. I think I agree with you. Um and I'm kind of wondering what are the circumstances under which Murphy and Raven got themselves caught. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about this, but we'll just mention it. Um, you know, we do think that there will be some sort of coupling on the arc that is different from the couples that we've seen. Yeah. Jason did say that there will be some. some or at least he alluded. Yeah. <laughs> there will be some sexy times. Um, In the six year time jump. Not that we're going to get. That has happened. In the six yeah, year time. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And I think my, my like biggest idea of who that would be would be Raven and Murphy. And I think that if it did happen, it was like the most platonic of all. Platonic oh, I was going to say just like pure fuck buddies, <laughs> yeah. like scratching an itch. Yeah. Which, which Raven has been known to do with, you know, cough, Bellamy, cough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Bellamy would go down that road again. I don't think so. I like, they seem so much like siblings now that. It would feel kind of gross. I just also feel like Bella, like if Bellamy has sex with any other person, I, I'm, I can't handle it. Like, I mean, we've gone down this road before and we don't need to get into it again, but I really just want him, poor Bellamy. He can be alone for six years. I'm really sorry. I don't feel as strongly as you do. And I'd be, I'd be okay if it was like Bellamy and Echo on the arc. Um, but I am more interested in Raven's and Murphy's relationship and how it's evolved because it was so interesting in season four and really like since season two, it's been it's been fascinating to watch. Yeah, evolve. they they're a really interesting pair and they play off each other really nicely. And I do think that like also ties into the idea that Murphy is it's not his best self, not with Raven. I mean, but just like in general, like he would have already him and Amori would have broken up because she couldn't take his sorry ass anymore. Yeah, I can see him and Raven kind of pairing up as like close friends like becoming really close on the yeah. arc 
Um, and and also like there's sort of desperation and Murphy being going stir crazy and Raven feeling the responsibility of getting them down. I think they would commiserate together very nicely. And I think Murphy's still feeling the responsibility for Raven because he shot her leg and kind of took that away from her. And so even though he's not apologized and she's forgiven him, I don't think that's ever going to go away from it him. It does. It is a connection that they're always going to have. Yeah. It's never going away. Um, so... I'm really worried for both of them in this scene right here, but I'm also excited to see how their arc develops this season together as like as a team. Yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be really cool. Um, we also get a juxtaposition here of Zeke pointing a gun. Now it looks like they had set it up as he was pointing a gun at Raven, yeah. but this is definitely a jump. This cut. is a really different scene. Um, and what's most fascinating to me is that Zeke has some big tattoo on his arm. I don't know if this is, like, a real tattoo or if this is, like, put on there for the show. I'm sure it was put on there. If it was a real tattoo, they would have covered it up. Not necessarily. It depends on what it was of. But um, uh, especially because they came from Earth in, like, normal times, you know? So they could have just gotten a tattoo. That's true. That is a good um, point. But it looks almost like a swan, swan. Or, like, a... Yeah, it looks like a swan. It looks like a swan. Um, And I, I, I don't know why he'd have a tattoo of a swan. <laughs> But it seems like it's going to be important in some way. It does it's get a really, really big focus yeah. on the shot. Yeah. Um, and I also this scene with him pointing a gun. I hope that this is kind of alluding to him turning the gun on Allegius themselves. As like, we are going too far. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. You either like do what I say or like I'm piecing out. <laughs> yeah. And even though they are two different scenes, I think the idea or the, the way that they've intercut and sort of spliced these two scenes side by side what the first of Raven and then Zeke really does indicate that these are gonna this is gonna be a romantic pairing this season yeah I mean like we all know it's, it's Zeke and Raven yeah and I'm I'm here for it got my popcorn and I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> she deserves a really she good ship so bad so I'm yeah I'm here for it um the next scene we get is with Monty on the ground and he says if war is the only way to have the last survivable land on earth then maybe we don't deserve it which Monty being Monty, that always, you know, always being the one to to say we shouldn't be going this far. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, he's always grasping for that last straw of humanity when everyone else has sort of sacrificed it. And it almost looks like here he's uh, like waving to someone. Yeah. It's either that or he's just putting his um, hand up to his eye to like block the sun. Maybe. But it could be his reuni- reunion with, I don't know if it's, maybe this is his, re- his reunion with Clark. Maybe. Like him being like, you're alive like am I seeing this right <laughs> maybe <laughs> hi <laughs> um then we get of course Clark crying and I do think that this is happening pretty soon after they leave her so like in that in that two month time jump between you know when they leave her and and when she finds Maddie I'm assuming it's about two three months yeah um I think this is when you know she's breaking down about like I have never felt more alone than I do right now I agree I think that's right. Especially because you can kind of see um, the the scarring or the 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 wounds on her face. From yeah, where the, she hasn't fully healed yet. Yeah, from the, the pus and the, the boils. Gross. <laughs> um, the next, of course, we have uh, Monty. What does Monty do? Oh, that's when he was saying, you know, we don't deserve to be on Earth and we have to fight for it. Um, and then we get a scene of Dioza shooting some guy. I can't tell if it's a grounder or if it is one of her team even. Like maybe they didn't, you know, want to comply with what she wanted to do. <laughs> they disobeyed her. Um, but Zeke is watching and Zeke is, again, 
not, not excited happy. about the, the turn of events. <laughs> yeah, he's not into it. Um, a brief flash, of course, of power couple Clark and Bellamy storming a building. My question is, what the hell is this? Where are they? I don't know. And I also like it's like the most split second of scenes. This is like the most filler we get. Well, yeah, but this is most interesting to me because all we know about so far is like the the buildings in Eden, um, the 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 ship that Eligius came down on, and then the bunker. And this doesn't look like any, any of, of those things. things. No. So where are they? I have no idea. This seems to me like something that happens toward the end of the season. Um, only because I can't place this in the timeline. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this might be like the the surprise that comes near the end. Yeah. It, it is possible here this is like the basement of the bunker. It's possible. It's possible. There's like bricks in the background, like gray bricks. Um, but it's possible, but I, I, I think that it's even more likely this is someplace new. Maybe. They're storming another bunker. <laughs> another bunker. Um, and then, of course, we get a nice scene of a computer screen showing an army. Marching. In straight lines marching across the desert. And Zeke is saying, you know, are they crazy? It's 150 miles across the desert, which, wow, did Clark really walk that? That's a long way. Um, I guess she had the rover. <laughs> but but so Zeke is like, are they are they really marching that far across the desert? And Dioza's like, no, they're not crazy. They're fanatical, and fanatics make good soldiers. Um, so an interesting thing to me here is, like, they are – we are meant to think they're talking about Polis, and I think that they probably are talking about Polis. I agree. We see Polis up on the computer screen, and then the green zone marked down below. So that whole area kind of encompasses 150 miles, they're telling us. Um, question number one, how did they even know about Polis? Was it because of drones that they sent? Did they see it that way? Was it, you know, because, like, they call it Polis. They right. know that's what it's called. Right. So what's more likely is that someone told them that. Right. They have intel from the ground. And if someone told them that, then who was it? Right. Was it, you know, Murphy and Raven I was just going to say, is it Murphy? <laughs> I actually think it might be Raven. Oh, maybe. I don't, I, I think Raven would be more likely to, to break under that. Oh, no, I mean Murphy is being Murphy and like selling information to get out of something it's possible um i guess he doesn't have anyone he cares about in there yeah he's a slytherin man he is a slytherin he is absolutely um so that's my so that's my guess is is that they found out about it from torture yeah Raven and they've and like re um realigned their their names yeah. based on new information um and i don't know at this point i guess they haven't met the full army or if they've if they've met anyone it's not been the whole force because they're watching the force cross the desert right now so have they either like sent their drones to watch them or did like we had talked about before did octavia maybe send some sort of like envoy to go forward and to meet with them personally yeah i i think i feel like it's the former i mean the latter but who knows because i do think that clark and and bellamy and octavia they all make it to the bunker at some point around episode five um, because Jason posted a photograph of them that said clearly episode five on it that had all three of them in it. Yeah. Um, so they have to get out of the bunker by episode five. So did Clark 
and then like drive all the way back there and then they're marching all the way back or like how, how what how is this working i don't know we're gonna have to find out yeah we are <laughs> i just want to know now <laughs> i cannot help you um so yeah they're fanatical i'm excited <laughs> i'm curious what she means like in this in what she's saying here about fanatics make good soldiers she almost seems like it almost seems like she's saying we can get them on our side but that can't be the case because I don't think that they're going to be on her side. No, I think what she might be talking about is that they're fanatical. And I think people who have like that strong of a belief in one particular thing are easy to manipulate. Oh, and she's, you know, just saying like, we have to watch out for them. Yeah. We can't underestimate them. That's fair. You or really can use that to our advantage. Yeah. Knowing that they are so soul minded or so focused on something. What's concerning is it doesn't seem like they have guns anymore, um, and Allegius clearly does. Yeah. Like, or if they do have guns, they don't have a lot of them. Like, they've all been fighting in this fight club with their, you know, battle axes Well, we don't know if this is Octavia's army. We don't. We don't know. We are meant to believe it is. Right. Um, and it, it looks could... like they're marching through Poland. Like, I can see kind of uh, some debris on the ground. I can't tell what it is exactly, um, but... We're meant to believe it's Polis. We'll just leave it at that. And we're meant to believe it's Octavia's army. Yeah. Um, the next scene is this interesting fire scene. It looks like this person, I can't tell who it is, is setting a fire in a tent. Um, and the fire, it, there's like a kind of case behind it. It looks like like that case had been, I don't know, sitting there for whatever reason. Um, but people have been speculating that this scene is them kind of burning the parasite that is in the the guy because there's like some squiggly things. I don't Ew. know if I believe that these are actual squiggly things. I think this might be like a trick of the of the light. Yeah, so and the camera speak. angle. Um, but it is an interesting idea of them like having to destroy this thing, whatever it is, be it, you know, biological or or mechanical I don't know <laughs> I'm not I can't but it also could be that they are burning the supplies of someone that seems more likely to me uh I don't I can't tell which side is which and I don't really understand this I feel like setup. this is kind of like some kind of terrorism for some like uh strategical or tactical purpose yeah I wouldn't call it terrorism because it's not like to inspire terror it's like for you know yeah a military reason but but yeah yeah I, I, that would that would be what I would go for, but just keeping it on the back burner. They couldn't yeah, destroy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course we get a nice scene with Echo and Raven and, and Bellamy all on the Allegiant ship. I think it's on the Allegiant ship. It's hard to tell here. Um, Echo's got a really cool vest. It's like a little puffy vest that she's wearing. Yeah. That I'm really into. Um, and then McCreary here says to what we're supposed to believe is Dioza. He says, it must be hard being a visionary surrounded by people who can't see. And Dioza says, story of my life. <sighs> I love this moment. I know. Um, I also, this kind of could be a nice way to slot this in. If you if you listened to us last season, you know how obsessed I was with Bill Cadigan. I held on hope until the very, very end that Bill Cadigan would come. Like, even once it was over, I was like, maybe he's on the Allegiance ship. Well, I have since given up that hope. Um, I think Jason Jason Clear stated that uh, he and Becca, you know, were together when she landed. Yeah. Um, so he is dead, most likely. Poor Bill. Uh, but I really 
want since all of these Allegius people are from Earth at that time, I would love to, for one of them to have been in this cult. Oh yeah, that would be a very nice tie-in. And I feel like it's kind of likely. I wouldn't say it's likely because I don't know what the reason, like what the point of that would be. <laughs> I don't know like what that would tell us about anything other than just it would be cool um, and I would love it. But I, I, yeah, I, I would like it. I would like it for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's my hope for you. Um, we get another scene of Kane in his like fighting you know battle he's got his like nice little shield here that looks like a trash can lid um, <laughs> oh this you know this guy almost looks like the serial killer dude the guy who he's fighting it seems unlikely to me that he would be fighting the serial killer dude yeah because that would mean that they would have already opened the bunker yeah and... i don't i don't think that that's true but it does look like him from the pictures so just gonna throw that out there um and kane <laughs> kane falls down he's got his battle axe this floor it has so much blood on it. It's disgusting. <laughs> Whoever's supposed to clean this up has been doing a real bad job. I'm sure Octavia orders them to leave the blood. That seems like it would smell. You're in a very contained space. Like, I think you'd want it to, like, not smell. That seems like <laughs> a logical thing, but not an Octavia thing. Okay, that's fair. Um, So there's some fighting going on. Like, a lot of these people seem like grounders, but then there's also, you know... I guess they're all one crew now. One so, crew. Yeah. Um... Kane and Abby's storyline is going to be really interesting. I think that they're actually going to be split this season for a good part of the season. Yeah. Um, That's some of the intel that we've been hearing. Yeah. Uh, but what Kane is saying to, to Abby is, you know, what have we done? And Abby says what we had to do to survive. Yeah. She's singing a new tune. A very new tune. I think we're going to see a much darker Abby this season. Yeah. I think like, as as cynical and nihilistic as she can be yeah i mean she wanted to die at the end of last season and i feel like the weight of taking someone's spot as a doctor when she should be saving other people is just she'll is a is a weight that she will never get rid of absolutely and i mean even more so not more so but like almost equally so in some ways kane taking her agency away from her mm. and taking that choice away from her. Right, and not respecting her choice. Yeah, I think that that – I don't know if they're going to be broken up when we see them um, or if this just kind of has taken a toll on their relationship and yeah. they're not the same anymore. When you think about where these two started and what it took for them to begin to trust each other and the relationship that was finally built on that yeah. earned trust and then to have it taken away, I think we're going to have some regression here for sure. And it's going to be testy. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think Kane in general is going to have a really hard time this season. And I could see him dying in this season. Yeah. I mean, especially since it, it, the show has always treated its its younger cast and its older cast equally and given them really valid storylines. But I think when the kids were younger, when the 100 were younger, it was helpful to have an, an older generation sort of as as like the the, the, the generation that was – that was in charge and having the new administration yeah. come in. And I think that their place in the show and their function in the show is becoming more and more obsolete, especially as the kids have grown into adults themselves. Absolutely. Um, and as for Abby, we've heard that her story, Jason has said, is very culturally relevant right now um, in, in our real world. I have absolutely no clue what that means. Me or what too. that could be about. 
are you saying hashtag me too? Or no, I actually, <laughs> when I said that out loud, I was like, oh no, I was thinking in my head, hashtag me too, but I don't know in what capacity, yeah. but then I was also just agreeing with you and said me too. My, my first thought, I think we've, we talked about this before, yeah. is that it could be the like hashtag me too movement, but that doesn't really seem right. The only thing I could think of is this idea of Kane taking her agency away and disrespecting her, but that's not really what the Me Too movement is all yeah. ultimately about. I mean, it is about disrespect and lack of agency in women, but I mean, that's obviously tied into sexual harassment and assault and and power dynamics in a way that just doesn't seem to ring true for Kane and Abby. So it is going to be an interesting s- to see what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, I, I'm like, Me Too is my first thought, but I don't think that's what it is because, number one, it doesn't feel right for the show or for Abby's character. Well, it also happened, like, like either very, very at the tail end of, of, of shooting or, like, not at all. What do you mean? Like oh, the, oh, the Me Too. Yeah. Uh, well, no. It was like the end of 2017. It was like during the whole like writing process. Okay. Um, because of the Harvey Weinstein stuff that, that came up last summer, was it? Um, but whatever the case, I don't think it's Me Too because Jason said specifically that no one has guessed it yet, and I feel like yeah, that's like the that's first obvious thing on everyone's thing. mind about something that's relevant to women at this time. Agreed. Um. So whether, like, maybe it's something medical related, maybe it's, you know, I, I hope they don't do, the, like, the medical testing, um, medical ethics again, because I think we did that last season. Yeah. So unless they can think of, like, another spin on it, I, I don't know if I want to retread that specifically. Um, what what are your thoughts you're looking? I don't know. That just kind of sparked something that's maybe it's about, like, not medical testing on subjects, but the idea of, of like, science versus religion, what this show is really obsessed with, and, like pushing the boundaries of science in a way that may not be morally sound or like you know what I mean I love that and I'll tell you why because there was a behind the scenes picture I think it was behind the scenes picture released um I think when it showed us Paige's new hairstyle it was like she was like in her like bunker outfit and she had like the gray streak and it had Maybe it had, like, Nyla in it, too. I can't remember. But I think McCreary was in the background of that. Mm-hmm. And if what I'm saying is McCreary's, like, mad scientist, like, tech guy. And if you're saying that she's, you know, kind of pushing, pushing the ethics on what science should reach and, like, what levels – what science should be accomplishing and doing for humanity – that could be, like, an interesting pair. Yeah, and it's also interesting to think of, like, what you were saying. If they have prototype one Nightblood and they're sick – this is another interesting question about more about Abby gaining back her ability to help those regardless, you know, of her medical oath. Like maybe she needs to help them and people are really questioning that. Yeah. Um I also, you know, the original thing that I had just like that had sparked this was I was thinking specifically about stem cell research, but I think that this could be applicable in a lot of different ways and extrapolated on the show that is relevant to the idea of stem cell research now. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know what she'd do with that. No, no. I just mean the idea yeah. of ethics and, and what, you, what you're what you using science for it and the purpose of it as, a, like, related to how, how we talk about stem cell research. Okay. I don't think stem cell research is going to be in the show, but that's the, like, metaphor I was talking about. Yeah, no, I can see that. That would yeah. be cool. Um, so, yeah, recap, Kane, Abby, not in a good place. I also really hope that they mention at least fixing her, her brain issue – I would like it to at least be acknowledged and resolved. in some way and resolved. Yeah. So we can move on. Yeah. That Maybe feels not like resolved. A... Maybe it's going to keep playing into this next season. Maybe, but that feels like a very season four problem it does. to me. It does. 
but you never know. Um, we do get this nice shot of Kane like stabbing someone with his battle axe. So. Yeah, talk about singing a new tune. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of you know like is this is this him kind of having come around to it, or is this gonna be him like after he stabs this person, he's gonna be like, I can't believe you made me do this. I don't know. I really don't. I could see it going either way. Um, here we get one of your favorite parts, and I am also very excited oh, about it. So excited. Uh, Indra says, your brother loves you. Or no. No. Sorry, just kidding. Indra says, real warriors hate war, Gaia. And then Gaia says, the decision is mine to make. And we get Gaia's awesome new look. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I... I was always really interested in Gaia, but again, kind of like Echo, we did not get enough of her um, or a story development or character arc from her that I really wanted last season. And I think having Indra and Gaia in a confined space and forcing them to sort of deal with their issues and not letting them go to their respective corners, I think is going to push Gaia to a, and Indra to interesting places and I am really excited about this. I also am just obsessed with her hair. I am so obsessed with this hair that I like want to shave my head and <laughs> dye it platinum blonde. <laughs> I don't think it would look the same. <laughs> well no because I don't look like her. She's, She's, I mean she looks fantastic and I agree that seeing how Gaia and Indra's relationship evolves this season is going to be so fascinating. Um, I actually kind of wonder how Gaia as a character is going to evolve now that, you know, her religion has in some ways been dismantled. Dismantled. That's a good word. Um, so does she want to keep pushing forward with it or does she want to leave it behind entirely? Yeah, it's a good question. I could see her going, I could see her clinging to it and like, this is my faith and I refuse to give it up kind of way. Or I could see her completely disowning it and being completely, um, like listless and sort of having nothing to hold on to yeah I I wonder here if Gaia has become some sort of advisor for Octavia or at least has become closer with Octavia um in whatever way um just you know Indra saying war is only or real warriors hate hate war and and Indra's you know the choice is mine to make I don't know whether Indra's talking to Gaia or whether Indra is talking about Octavia to Gaia, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's like needs to be that like much of a distinction. I agree. I think Gaia is probably one of Octavia's like advisors slash counselors. I think she has is like the premier authority on like what grounder culture is and could be a really useful person when trying to control them. Um, and I think she's given up a little bit and just completely let seated whatever power position she had to Octavia and I think she's feeling pretty pretty down and I don't know if she has the fight in her to stand up to Octavia that she would have before I think something different I actually don't I think she and Octavia have grown really close and I do think the distinction here about who Indra is talking about is really important because if she's talking about Gaia saying to Gaia like real warriors hate war you should you should know that Gaia mm-hmm. um I think that would say that would signal that Gaia has become much more of a warrior and has maybe put aside her religion in many ways. If she's talking about Octavia here saying real warriors hate war Gaia about Octavia, then she is telling Gaia, who's clearly decided to follow Octavia, that Octavia is not headed in the right direction, which is also interesting for what her uh, Octavia's relationship is like with Indra this season. That's the latter is what I was just describing where I feel like 
Gaia is siding with somebody who she would not who probably morally doesn't agree with but has no ability to like stand up to and I think she is really close with Octavia and doesn't want to rock the boat okay I can get yeah I get yeah that. yeah that's whatever I, the case again not good <laughs> <laughs> um and I, I do also wonder why Gaia's crying here like what what decision is she making you know it's got to be murder I <laughs> someone's <laughs> dying <laughs> I mean like I feel like she would have murdered at this point already. Everyone in the bunker. They're all like murder buds, you know? I don't know. <laughs> um, so moving on, we get an interesting scene of Bellamy fighting Octavia. And it looks like they are sparring because in the background you can see these banners on the wall with um, the the one crew symbol, mm-hmm. which is, we haven't talked about it, but it's a cool amalgamation of the, um, of, of, I think Lincoln's like face paint and then also the second dawn symbol. Yeah. Um, that's just like a little. Yeah. Fun it's a little out. detail that is really cool. But there's also like weapons kind of against the wall. And so it looks like a sparring room. Um, so I don't think that they're like really fighting. But Bellamy does say to her, we all have things to answer for. Um, what do you think they're doing in this scene? Um, I think on the on the superficial level, I think they're practicing, and on the subdermal level, they are maybe working out some anger issues that have accumulated. Yeah, like my my first thought is that they like went down here to spar, but Bellamy has just heard that Octavia wants to like take over the world or whatever, and so they like arguing as they yeah, spar. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I think. They're working out some issues. I do think it's Bellamy just like lays her out here. And, you know, we've seen Octavia as this, you know, badass fighting force, but we've never seen, we've, we've seen Bellamy fight, but not in this kind of way. Well, wasn't there, didn't we get something from Jason about how he, about how Echo teaches Bellamy some fighting moves in space? And, like, that's an actual Echo move. Is that, like, leg sweep? Oh, is it? Yeah. She used it last season. Oh, that's cool. And so I that is, like, an actual, like, Echo TM stamped in certified like move and so it makes sense that you know Octavia and Echo were pretty evenly matched and if Bellamy's been being trained by Echo it makes sense that he would be able to go up against her like that absolutely and I I mean like I love the idea that Echo has trained all of Space Crew how to fight yeah like again what else do you do you have to oh no they should be in great shape yeah love it great shape (laughs) (laughs) even like Monty (laughs) even Monty pacifist though he is (laughs) Um, but any case, I, 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 we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Bellamy's and Octavia's relationship doesn't seem like it's going in a good direction already. No, no, they, they, it's a, an elusive thing, their relationship that they are constantly trying to grasp and always failing at. And there's a part of me that is almost tired of this struggle between them. Oh, I'm really tired I mean, of it. The next scene we get is Indra saying, your brother loves you, Octavia. And then Octavia looks at them and is like, love is weakness. Right. But I think that this this tired frustration that we have with their dynamic is actually symptomatic of our overall tired frustration with Octavia's lack of growth. Yeah. Or... I guess at least growth in a direction that we don't. A positive want. growth. Yeah. <laughs> positive growth or development. Um, because it all stems back to Octavia not being able to value love, friendship, kindness, empathy in a way that is constructive. And that con- constantly makes her 
put up a wall with her brother and not doesn't allow them to grow closer well I think in a lot of ways she doesn't take responsibility for the actions that she commits against others um and and Bellamy has always kind of put that responsibility on himself right and she's let him put it on himself um and I'm hoping in this season he's kind of finally gonna start to realize you know this is not my responsibility like I love you but you have to accept the fact that you have done horrible things you have to like take responsibility for that and and figure out a way to move forward otherwise yeah and process it process it and and learn from it right I think Bellamy has taken on his own mistakes and also Octavia's which allows her to shrug them off in a way that I think he's probably going to stick it to her and finally force her to hold a mirror up to her face in a good way no in a way in a constructive right exactly you are a grown woman you are the leader of one crew I have been away from you for X amount of time, and this is not an acceptable way of, be- <laughs> of being a human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next scene we get is one of my favorites. Maddie is running across the desert into Clark's arms. Um, and there's just, like, a bunch of blood and dead bodies everywhere around them. So I'm going to guess this is, like, toward the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After some sort of battle. I don't know if it's the final battle. Um, and I've been, you know, again, looking way too closely into this trailer. I've been zooming in on all the people. I can't figure out who most of them are, but I do think that Bellamy is in the background. He's kind of, like, walking toward her, so it looks like she – looks like Clark was um, standing with standing her Standing next to him, yeah. Um, and then there's also this woman kind of directly behind Clark who's looking at Clark and Maddie hugging. And she, if you zoom in really closely, you can kind of tell that there is that – line of ash down her forehead now a lot of cast members posted a picture of them with this like line of ash kind of in between their eyes um like i think murphy had it bellamy had it uh i can't remember who else had it but then like a lot of those pictures got taken down so it was like very suspicious like spoiler territory oh interesting so i'm wondering if that is the the new symbol of um the bunker people, the one crew. The one crew. Because, you know, from the ashes we will rise. Octavia said that in her speech to them right before the bunker went dark. Yeah. At the end of season four. So maybe that, like, ash line is, like, part of their of their symbology. Yeah, maybe. I could see that. And also, like, what their, like, new face paint would be when they go out yeah. to war. Um, but if it's not, I'm kind of, again, wondering if maybe there are three different sides to this this fight. Yeah, maybe they're, these are the new guys. Um, Possibly. But I think it's most likely that they're part of the, the From the Ashes We Will Rise crew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really excited about this battle. I think that this is, we talked about this earlier too, but Jason did mention that there's, a, I think it's 511. They used the most blood they've ever used on set. Yeah. So it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be real bloody. <laughs> I think it's going to be probably pretty dusty. <laughs> I think they're shooting it in the desert. Yeah. And, you know, if you're watching The 100, you shouldn't be, you know, averse to blood and guts and gore. But, like, you know, if you're sensitive <laughs> to that kind of thing, maybe maybe just keep one eye shut. I mean, if, if you're watching The 100, you shouldn't be sensitive to that. I yeah. Mean, like, m- maybe just but like, don't watch the show. But there are people who get upset. There are, but I think that 
the show. That's the nature of the show, the guys. The show doesn't hide what it is. No. It is what it says it is. It is. And if you don't like it, then you definitely shouldn't watch it. Like, I, I self-care, first and foremost, if it bothers you. Right. If it's triggering in any way, don't watch it. Yeah. Um, but I love Blood and Guts, so. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> into it. Doesn't bother me at all. Um, the next scene we see is Clark talking to Maddie and Clark is telling her, I can't risk anything bad happening to you. You're my family and family looks out for each other. So Maddie here is not like she's, she's listening to Clark, but she's looking a little irritated. Yeah. She's looking like a pre-adolescent preteen. So what she's looking like. So my thought is, I, I feel like Clark, um, and Bellamy might go on, some sort of truck like separated from other groups because of a picture that Jason posted a little while ago. It was like one of the first pictures where it was Clark and Bellamy, Miller and some other random dude that were like sitting around talking. It looked like they were about to go on like some sort of journey. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is Clark telling Maddie, you can't come with us because Maddie obviously wants to come. She wants to come with Clark. She wants to help. And Clark is like, I can't risk you. Yeah. You have to stay safe. And, of course, Maddie is going to be ticked at that. Right. She's going to be irritated. Yeah. Um, I think she resents being treated like a little kid and as something so precious that she can't join in. But I also think she's just really irritated that she can't go on this adventure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, at Clark's – well, I guess she's not quite as old as Clark was in season one. But no. she's, 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 she's getting there. She's loving her She's call. not a baby. She's not a baby. And she's old enough to, I think, have some sort of agency in what she wants. I think she has a lot of agency, and I think that dynamic, which is very reminiscent of Abby and Clark's dynamic, is something that we're going to see a lot of this season. Oh, yeah, and I want to talk about that, too, at the end. Um, but before we get there, we get to the nice hug montage, or the, the loves and hugs montage. The affection montage. Yeah. So, you know, we see Kane kind of touching Abby's face. We get Maxon, Miller, and Jackson, and they hug. Um, Clark shipping them from the background. <laughs> No, it's just like Clark, like, oh my god, I wish I could have a stable relationship Yeah, like she's that. like, where's Bellamy? <laughs> um, but we haven't talked about Maxon. We talked about it a little bit last season. I'm very, very excited to see how they have progressed. I really hope that... What's the guy who plays Miller? Uh, yeah, what is his name? I just... we We've seen him with his relationship with Brian... And it never felt organic to me. It always felt forced. So I, I hope that this with with Jackson definitely feels much more like a romantic relationship. Um, I hope that there is, you know, kissing. I hope that there is, like, just a lot of intimacy between them. Yeah. You know, they've been together for six years now, so they know each other pretty well, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I want their relationship to, relationship to feel lived in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see, but I am really excited that they're still together. Oh, yeah. Because I, I do ship it. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm happy with this ship. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, we, we wanted Monty and Miller. I've gotten over that. It's never going to happen. I'm good with Monty or with uh, Miller and Jackson. Yeah. I, I, and I, I want a this. good ship for Monty as well, and we'll get into that later. I mean, we probably – like, what else will we – I mean – we, I just I just hope that this season makes me like Harper more. Yes. Or be more interested in I Harper. want them to treat Harper the way they treat other characters. Yeah. Give her that kind of same blushing out. Yeah. 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 We talked about this. We do. We don't need to go over it again. <laughs> um, we get a scene of Octavia with her kind of hand on Bellamy's face. I don't know if it's her saying goodbye. She kisses his cheek. 
it it's either her saying goodbye or her saying hello. I think it's goodbye. I think it's probably goodbye. I think it's a goodbye. I think it's like Bellamy and Clark and whoever else are going yeah. off to do whatever, whatever they else. know. I have no idea where they'd be going that wasn't Eden. Um, but I'm I'm assuming Octavia is definitely going to Eden, right? Right. So yeah, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, and then we get a hug between Harper and Monty. I don't know if they're still together after the six-year time jump, but they're clearly – I don't know when this hug took place either, but they're clearly in a good space at some point in yeah, the Yeah, they, they seem to be at a a, a peaceful place. I mean, like it the, doesn't seem particularly romantic, no. this gesture, but they seem to not have any issues between them. It seems that, that, that it's like a comforting hug, like they're worried about something. Yeah. Um, they're, they're clearly on the spaceship because there's, I think, I, I'm assuming this is algae back there. Yeah. That Monty's growing. So I don't know if this is them, like, realizing that they can't find a way to get off the arc. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where their relationship is, too, and how that progresses as well. Yeah. Uh, and then there is a scene of Murphy kind of nodding goodbye to the group as the doors close on him, leaving him in Allegius, and... It kind of zooms in on Amori's face watching him leave. Um, so as we know, or as I'm assuming, assuming they're not together when we see them after the six-year time jump. Yeah. But I, I think that they're far from over. They're still my OTP. Yeah, I think they're endgame. But, you know, like we've talked about, I am interested in them growing as individual people. I think Murphy has a lot of growing up to do and a lot of things to deal with on his own. And I think they need to find themselves and come back to each other. So I'm okay with them being on a break if they find each other eventually. And as you can see here out of this group, these are the people that I'm assuming is in the um, pod that we see earlier in the trailer. Yeah. Um, because Monty and, and Harper are in their green suits, and Mori and uh, Echo, and then Raven is like way back in the capsule back there. You can see her ponytail. Yeah. They're all in the orange suits. Um, so they're leaving Murphy they're um, leaving at least Murphy on the on the Allegiance ship. I'm assuming they're leaving Bellamy as well. Right. We're assuming Bellamy is, is with on yeah. Murphy's side of things. Um, and then one of the last scenes of the trailer is Octavia together with Maddie. Now, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. I'm very excited um, to kind of get into their relationship and what their relationship is going to be. Octavia cuts Maddie's hand and then I think cuts her own, and then they be like, you know, become blood sisters or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and what's interesting here too is the voiceover is Octavia saying, "I know what it's like to be the girl under the floor. You don't have to be afraid anymore." But she's not saying that in this moment with them cutting their hands because in the next scene we're meant to think that they're, you know, it's the same thing. But Clark is actually by Maddie when Octavia is saying this. Whereas when they're doing the little blood sister pact, they're Clark alone. isn't there. Yeah. So we kind of knew that Clark, that Maddie would become friends with someone that Clark be worried about. And I think it's pretty clear now that it's Octavia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of want to discuss Maddie as a nightblood here. Okay. And kind of tying this into with the CW promotional video, because in that video, Octavia says, my blood is red and it always will be. Which kind of leads you to think, like, she's not going to become a Nightblood, even though she has the opportunity to with Clark back. Right. Um, or with Maddie here. So she doesn't want to become a Nightblood. But what does that mean for the flame? 
Like, um, Maddie is the only, I'm, I'm assuming that we know of, the only true Nightblood left. Right. Everyone else, the, the Allegius crew and Clark, have all been made Nightblood um, superficially or, like, uh, yeah. scientifically. So, so are these two sides fighting over Maddie? Is this going to be kind of one of the the choices that Clark has to make is what's best for Maddie versus what's best for everyone? Like, per se, maybe Octavia wants Maddie to take the flame. I mean, the flame would be good to have on their side. I mean, they have all of that knowledge of Becca 2.0 inside of them. Yeah, and I don't know if it's Octavia. I mean, like, what reasons would Octavia, other than, like, the vast knowledge of, of all of the uh, commanders that came before. But I do feel like there is another, maybe this is like where the, the Gaia and her religion kind of come in. Like, do we want to resume our culture? Like, do we want to pick up where we left off or do we really want to like Build begin? something new. No. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the question. Yeah. And my question is, if Octavia does want Maddie to take the flame, is it because Octavia doesn't want to lead anymore or is it some sort of manipulation to, like, get Maddie on their side and have her, you know, have that knowledge but Octavia still be in power? Yeah. Or to get Clark on their side. Maybe they need yeah. Clark. On the they can, side. Sorry. No, I was just going to say and they'll con- they can control Clark by using Maddie. Well, I think my first thought, if, if Clark has to choose between what's best for Maddie and what's best for her people, my first thought is that it is this moment. It is... Should Maddie take the flame or not? Um, because I would say Clark wouldn't want her to take the flame. No, I agree. Um, but the people might need it for whatever reason. Right. So this is kind of the choice I think Clark might force Maddie to make. I also wonder, you know, Maddie is the the the, the last surviving real Nightblood. If the Allegiance crew only has Nightblood 1.0, maybe there's something that's not completely stable about it they need Maddie for. Right. Um, so maybe Clark will make some sort of deal with someone to save Maddie but hurt her people in the process yeah it's very possible Maddie seems to be precious in a lot of ways uh at the end of that CW promo as well we get I think it's Bellamy's voice where he's saying live die and I think Clark says choose but when live comes up it's from, like, Clark's point of view. Like, you can kind of see her in the background, and then she kind of, like, fades in and out. Um, Bellamy pops up when she says live, and Octavia pops up when she says die. So I kind of wonder if the choice that Clark has to make also could be between that, between Maybe. those two. Um, and I don't really know what that would be at all. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And again, what would that do to her relationship with Bellamy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if Octavia does die in this season Bellamy is going to be devastated but it could be at a point Bellamy's like she made her own choices she made her own choices like there was nothing I could do yeah um I still don't want to see it either way no no I don't either we do know that at the end or toward the end of the season they shot a scene that at least Clark and Bellamy were in together that everyone on set was crying devastated and Bellamy or Bob Morley said that it was like the best scene he's ever shot in his life um and even I think Tazia Talley's said something like yo that was like really intense yeah so my only thought is it has to be like some sort of death scene i don't know i don't know i don't know what else would make everyone else cry but i also i don't know if any one character death aside from 
I can't think of any one character that would make me cry anymore, <laughs> except Bellamy or Clark or Maddie. I, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. I'm very, very worried about. Or Raven. Oh, Raven. Raven's. I mean, like, I'm never worried about Raven. She's going to live. I have no. She, Raven is going to outlive everyone except maybe Murphy. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know. Murphy. Murphy's the gonna be the winner. Um, but in any case, I'm a little nervous to to find out what that scene is. Yeah. I'm also really excited, though. I am really. I mean, like, I just, I want to know everything. I just want I all the scenes with Clark and Bellamy. <laughs> I just want all I don't the even, scenes with everyone. I don't care if they're crying. <laughs> I want, ev- I, like, want to know this season. I want it immediately. I know that I, I need to, like, enjoy it in small doses. Yeah, small but, doses, man. But I want it now. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to suck all of the juice we possibly can out of each and every episode. <laughs> Um, so the last kind of scenes we see is uh, Murphy saying, what the hell, let's be good guys. And then Clark, you know, shooting someone and saying there are no good guys. Um, so what I think is happening here is, you know, Murphy doesn't really want to wake up the Allegius crew. Bellamy's somehow managed to convince him and he's like, okay, fine, we'll go be good guys. We'll wake them up. And then clearly and then it, it will turn out poorly. Right. Um, and then, like I said with Clark, I think that she is probably shooting an Allegius crew member against Maddie's wishes. Or at least Maddie's original intention. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um, but yeah, then that's, that's that is that's the trailer. trailer. We've been talking for a really long time. Really long time. Uh, we're, so we're going to wrap this up. Is there any other thoughts that we didn't get to in the trailer that you want to bring up? I'm sure there were, but at this point, I, I feel can't like we took a any. very exhaustive approach to yeah. the trailer. Yeah, I'm sure I'll think of something like tonight as I'm lying in bed, and then I'll be pissed. I'll we have can, to write it down. We'll we talk can tweet about, about it, it. Tweet about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I guess this is it. I think we're gonna sign off. Yeah. And then this see you next season. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. That was our episode. Um, as always, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail That's S K A I C A S T kru at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at skycast and find us on tumblr at skycast.tumblr.com you can also tweet at us at our own twitter accounts i'm at bperlman89 and i'm at sarah r mccabe so thank you for joining us on skycast we will be back next month with the season premiere which we are so excited for i'm not that excited (laughs) just kidding (laughs) see you then guys Bye. bye